Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Grave Plot Podcast. I'm Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. This is episode 42. 42. Ah, yes. Uh, before we get started, I want to tell you about another affiliate we're having. Uh, getting a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, whatever. Uh, Halloween Express. Halloween is coming, folks. It is coming. Ah, all up in that ass. <laughs> Um, but if you go to Halloween.GravePlotPodcast.com, you're going to get 25% off of your order from Halloween Express. Uh, and that's no minimum. What? <laughs> Say what? You go in there and you buy $10 worth of stuff, 25% off. That's, right there. That's, that's $250 off. Right there. For that ass. Plus shipping and handling. Yes. <laughs> Tax not included. Uh, so, how's it going, Taylor? It's going very well. Yeah. Um, I was instructed to tell you that a lady at work uh, absolutely hated the Babadook. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we, she was telling me about it, and I, I told her that you didn't care for it. Not that you hated it, but that you, you didn't care for it as, as much as most people, and you didn't understand the hype around it. And she was like, I fucking hated it. I couldn't stand it. That little kid, I wanted to smack the shit out of him. Oh, I, if that was my kid, you can bet that I'd build him a fucking cement room and keep him locked <laughs> in there at all times. Um, so, yeah, so you're not alone. Good. That makes me feel a little bit better. All right. <laughs> uh, what's new? Uh, not a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I will say, uh, if you haven't done so already, go check us out on the latest episode of the Video Game Break podcast. Yes. Uh, recorded live at the Raygun Lounge here in Seattle. We haven't actually recorded it yet. Shh, don't pull the veil back. God damn it. We're speaking to you from <laughs> future? Past? We're... Past. Yeah. That's the one. <laughs> it's like a Back to the Future movie. Right, <laughs> except not at all. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but maybe maybe it's going to be magical. Maybe they'll they'll probably be poop jokes. <laughs> We're famous for those. <laughs> Taylor liked to talk about pink eye last time. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it happens. Yeah, pink eye and goatsy was the <laughs> topic. <laughs> so go check that out at uh, videogamebreak.net. Yeah, do that. Do it. Um, so nothing else? I got a new TV. Yes, you did. It's very nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm eager to watch the movies on it. Well, you got to get yourself a Blu-ray player. <laughs> That's you. That's what you sound like. Dick. <laughs> We're just going to start buying you Blu-rays for like your birthday and Christmas, <laughs> and then eventually you'll have this collection of Blu-rays that you have to get a Blu-ray player. Physical media. <laughs> get out of here. Yeah, because it's going out so quickly. I got all my movies right here. Mm-hmm. He's, he's pointing to his tablet. Yeah. I got it follows on here. Oh. Follow. Yeah. Boo, boo, boo. Exactly. You know, you're what's wrong with this world. Your mom's what's wrong with this world. Take it back. My mother's a saint. I won't. I'm going to tell her you said that. Yeah, well, I'm going to tell her it's because she spawned you. <laughs> Everything was downhill from there. Uh, I've been on a diet and workout regimen. It seems to be going well. 
was going well. Uh, this this was supposed to be week two, um, but but I hurt my back in week one. <laughs> uh, so you know, in in my effort to not have an old man's body, I hurt my back like an old man. <laughs> Welcome to your thirties, kid. Yeah, uh, but it's like. I don't know if I mentioned it on the show before, but I have like a shitty vertebrae, like right, like right above my pelvis. It's just underdeveloped and misshapen. Uh, my chiropractor referred to it as my special vertebra. Uh, Did you just have a tail? <laughs> maybe. Um, yeah, I, I attempted to do a deadlift, which was a bad idea. I thought I had my form like down, but no. <laughs> but I uh, tried to pick up the bar and felt this pinch in my back. I'm like, okay, not doing that. But, you know, a second worth of attempting deadlifts made my back hurt for like a fucking week. So I finally went to the chiropractor, got adjusted. So I'm on the mend now. Uh, I'm hoping to, you know, get back to it next week. But I've been on a diet and I lost four pounds. Hey, yeah. congratulations. Yeah. Just in time for beach season. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can take off my shirt and my my stomach will be slightly smaller. Yay. That's the dream. Yeah. Anyway. Um, that's all for me. Oh, my... Well, by the time you're hearing this, my wedding anniversary will have come and gone. Hey, you for made it. One year. It's all downhill from here. Right. <laughs> Um, we're leaving. This is this is Friday. We're recording early again, and we're leaving town tomorrow. They say that the first year is the hardest. It definitely it's was. It's not. It gets worse. <laughs> I don't know. We had a pretty rough year. <laughs> we had three deaths. Yeah, but that has nothing to do with you as a couple. I think it tested our our ire. Is that All the right. word? Is that the right word? Uh, sure. Let's say it is. Okay. It is now. <laughs> anyway. Okay. You're not engaging me at all, so let's just do horror business. Okay. Prick. Um, Nobody cares about your bullshit. I'm sorry. Fuck you. They come here for horror. They don't come here for bitching about your wife and your old man back. <laughs> I wasn't bitching about my wife. <laughs> my wife. <laughs> two references to that on two different podcasts. It's coming back. We started it. <laughs> we were on the ground floor. I mean, for the bros, it never left. But Sure. <laughs> we're making it actually funny again. We're being ironic. Yes. Uh, so, start off horror business. Uh, a little bit of real, ro- real world horror. True story. Stop trying to make that happen. <laughs> um, those of you familiar with Nosferatu, as in the night- be fucking everyone. Yeah, the 1930s German adaptation of Dracula, basically. Um, the director F. W. Murnau, uh, his grave was robbed. Um, somebody stole his fucking head. That's insane. Who who does that? Uh, well, they, they said that they found wax remnants, so they think it might be, uh, like, cult-related. 
Maybe somebody took a cast of his head. And then they're going to bring it back? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) We just wanted to borrow it. I just needed a death mask. (laughs) Um, See, he died in 1931 from a car crash. Probably one of the early people to say that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Buried in Stansdorf, Germany. Um, Beautiful town. (laughs) I take all my vacations there. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he, he was in a metal coffin. So, you know, these assholes were committed. Uh... Yeah, his brother, his two brothers were buried nearby, and they weren't disturbed, so clearly they were going directly for him. Yeah, this was a, a targeted attack. Yeah. So, interesting. I mean, I don't know what kind of cultist would go for him in particular. Yeah, because, I mean, his work is fiction. It's not like he's some kind of, you know, demon spiritual shaman or some bullshit like he was a director of a movie yeah i mean it's not like well to my knowledge it's not like his work was like based in like satanism or black arts or anything so it'd be like you know someone 30 years down the road taking george romero's head or something like well i mean i could understand that maybe because they'd be worried that he might come back as a zombie yes (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah it's weird very weird uh i hope that they return his head. Yeah. If you if if you have his head and you're listening, just bring it back. Just just give it back. This is this Jedediah Springfield shit is just weird. <laughs> uh yeah. So that's yeah, it. Bring it back. <laughs> bring me the head of FW Murno. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. This is some bullshit. They're they're remaking Cujo. It gets worse. <laughs> Cujo is now an acronym for Canine. Where's Canine Unit Joint Operations? I don't know what that means. It. If I'm just, like, drawing some kind of, like, um, hypothesis, uh, I'm imagining a movie about trained dogs that just go crazy and start attacking people. Hmm. If I'm just speculating here. That is not what Cujo is about. No. Well... (laughs) Well, not a, trained a dog. Yeah, not trained, just a rabid dog. Yeah, got got the rabies. Yeah, the rabid Saint Bernard. Yeah. Beethoven gone mad. Right. Um this is gonna be directed by Lang Elliott, who I don't know who he is. Some some fuck. And it will be starring DJ Perry, who is the producer of Ashes of Eden. The producer. Hmm. As far as I know, this is his first acting role. Uh-huh. And, maybe he's uh, somebody's kid. Maybe. Who, Steve Perry? 
Steve Perry. <laughs> Dude, you said no more journey psych-outs. Um, yeah, like we said, the original was just about a, a rabid St. Bernard, and it was a mother and a son trapped in their car. Uh, DJ Perry is a grown man, so I don't know where he comes in. Unless it's going to be a man and his child this time. Or a man-child. Oh. <laughs> twist. <laughs> Somebody's... Somebody's smoking. They're not supposed to do that. Yeah. That's not allowed. I know. I have to go outside now. Smoking cigarettes or smoking doobie joint smackheads? <laughs> smells like cigarettes. Although sometimes cigarettes smell like pot. It's weird. Hmm. Maybe they're laced. My cigarettes? Oh, your cigarettes. <laughs> I, I just said cigarettes in general. No. Well, I mean, cigarettes in general, yeah. But yeah. mine do, too. It's weird. Mm. I don't know. Maybe you accidentally... Bought some, some blunts. <laughs> <laughs> One pack of blunts, please. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know how they sell it now. It's legal. So what, what the hell? <laughs> do they come in like pre-rolled joints on like a cigarette box? Is that a thing you can do? I think you buy them in like a baggie. You can't buy like pre-rolled joints. Well, you can, but I th- or you know, what? I oh, think they come in a bag like Doobie Snacks. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe they come in, like, um, like uh, pill bottles. Mm. I know that's how, like, like medicinal, that's yeah. how they get them. Mm, that's how they get you. That is how they get you. So, Cujo. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they even spoke to Stephen King about this. Uh, I hope not. <laughs> because if he signed off on this, then he needs to be put in a home. Well, it's like, you know, at, done. at this point in his life and his career... Um, I honestly, with all the shitty stuff that's happening with his creations nowadays, uh, I mean, his classics, I mean, disappointing news about Pet Cemetery, which I think we're getting into later. Uh, no, that's not actually on here. Oh, well, there is. There's a couple of stories about other Stephen King entities on here, but that's not one. Um, I mean, we've talked about it before that it's being remade, yeah. and the, the writer had an interview with... I think it was Shock Till You Drop. Mm. Um, no, actually, I take the back. I think it was Dread Central. And, uh, yeah, he said that they want to make it into kind of a psychological thriller. Basically said, you know, there's still a supernatural element where you have a family buries a child and he comes back. But how does that make you feel? It sounds like it's going to be a fucking Lifetime movie. Yeah, like they, they want to focus on how the family feels about their child coming back to life. And he also said, if you have a, a, a young child with a scalpel, suddenly it turns into Chucky. No, it doesn't. Because Chucky was a doll possessed by a grown-ass man yeah, with and, a knife. And also, that's in the fucking book. Right. <laughs> that's part of the story. Yeah, you, you kind of need that. I'm pretty sure that story came out before Child's Play as well. So... And Chucky carries a fucking butcher's knife. Yeah, not a or, scalpel. No. So, I don't know. Fuck that guy. But <laughs> And fuck Cujo, and fuck DJ Perry, and fuck Lang Elliott. Yeah. But like I was saying about Stephen King, it's like, at this point in his life and career, maybe he's just saying, fuck it. Just give me my money. Yeah, it's like, I, I don't even need the money anymore, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> I just I don't have the fight in me anymore. <laughs> so uh yeah, that's happening. 
That is something that is happening. <laughs> of things that are happening. So, uh, what do what you what do you say in, in uh, AA or you know, recovery? It's like I accept that I'm not perfect. No, like I can accept that I'm flawed. Something about the things I cannot control. Yeah, something like that. Something to that effect. <laughs> if you've been in recovery, I let us know. Things that I do not that I cannot control. It sounds somewhat right. Something along those lines, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you've been in recovery, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> it's Alcoholics Anonymous, Tony. <laughs> I didn't say they had to give our na- give their name. Um. Anyway, so more casting news for Ghostbusters. Um, <laughs> or as the Who Goes There podcast referred to it, Gashbusters. <laughs> Oh, that's insensitive. <laughs> and hilarious. <laughs> yes. Um, while we're on the topic, they all hate the idea. So it's not just us. Good. Plus, uh, over the 4th of July weekend when my girlfriend's parents were here, I brought it up to them. Just I just said, this is what's happening. They're making this movie. It's an all-female Ghostbusters. Both her dad and her mom went, that's a terrible idea. They should not do that. Anybody with fucking... <laughs> Ration or like with a rational mind knows that it's a bad idea. Yeah, it seems to be a uh, a growing opinion. Yeah, the only people that are excited about this movie are the people that still like Melissa McCarthy for some fucking reason. Yeah, that that's that's it. I mean, I've had conversations online about this, like on you know, Facebook and other websites. It all comes back to her. And that's it. Nobody even acknowledges the other... Well, I won't say nobody, but very few people even acknowledge anybody else is in it. It's just her. And you've got two warring sides. People that can't stand her and people that love her to death. Well, and I I don't remember who it was. It may have been the Who Goes There podcast, but somebody was saying that the biggest problem was that they said, from the beginning, we're going to make an all-female Ghostbusters crew. It wasn't, you know, Kristen Wiig said, oh, I would love to be in this movie. And they said, oh, what if we made you a Ghostbuster? It was, they said, we want to make an all-female Ghostbusters crew, and we're going to build the cast around that idea. Mm-hmm. They didn't, they left themselves no out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we knew that from the beginning, and that's, that's where people like us, who are enthralled in horror, uh, we, we shut off, like, right away. Like, we knew that that's the moment this movie was going to be awful. Yeah. I mean, we were skeptical when it was still uh, Ghostbusters 3. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I guess this isn't even an adaptation of that. This is completely a completely yeah. separate idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we, we were pretty turned off to the whole thing, like, right, like instantaneously. It's like, okay, well, that fucking franchise is done then. So, anyway, <laughs> casting. 
for anybody that still cares. Uh, a New York One anchor, uh, Pat Kiernan, is starring as news anchor. Really going out of the box on that one. Yeah. Uh, Cecily Strong is starring as some fucking person. She's awful. She's she, just she's so the bad. Worst. Uh, Andy Garcia, and this is, well, maybe not the thing I'm most disappointed about, but he's like very second. Uh, Andy Garcia um, is starring as the New York mayor. I hope he does like a Bloomberg impression. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Even though he looks nothing like him, but. Um, Michael K. Williams, starring as Hawkins. From The Wire. Okay, yeah, okay. I didn't know that guy. He, uh, was, I think his name was Otis on The Wire. He's uh, a black guy with like a really scratchy voice. Yeah. I, I didn't watch The Wire. If you saw him, you would recognize him from something, I'm sure. Hmm. Uh, Matt Walsh, who I love. Matt Walsh is fucking hilarious. Member of the Upright Citizens Brigade, been in a lot of movies. Um, he's currently on Veep uh, on HBO. Uh, he's fucking hilarious on that. Uh, disappointed that he's in this, uh, but he's starring as Rourke. Now, who the fuck are Hawkins and Rourke? I don't know. I mean, that's the thing about this. It's like no explanation behind most of these characters. Yeah. I mean, New York Mayor. Okay. We know what the New York Mayor is. Sure. Yeah, it's like Hawkins and Rourke and, well, I guess maybe that's it. Point stands. (laughs) Uh, Neil Casey, a writer for SNL, Inside Some Dumb Whore, and The Kroll Show. I'm not going to say the real title. I don't want <laughs> I'm not bothered by it, so. Uh, he's starring as Rowan, who uh, is apparently the main villain, who, if you remember, for a long time, they were talking about casting Peter Dinklage as the main villain. But Peter Dinklage wisely stayed far away from yeah, this. Yeah, he's like, no fucking way. <laughs> I don't know if that's what he actually did, but in my mind's eye. He said, do you know who I am? <laughs> You think uh, I'm going to lower myself? <laughs> like, I'm on Game of Thrones, bitch. <laughs> and then they're like, yeah, that could end any day. <laughs> I don't watch the show, but I know that's the case. I don't, I don't know anything. And probably the most disappointing of all. Like, head and... Sh- well, no. I'm changing what I said earlier. Head and shoulders, the most disappointing. And this may be a little bit of a spoiler. So if you don't want to hear this, it's like it's... Uh, Surprise casting, surprise cameo. If you don't want to hear it, then just plug your ears for the next. Well, how are they going to so. avoid this? I, don't, I mean, if it, if it, it's out there, so but it's supposed to be like you know a cute little cameo. But anyways, uh, Dan Aykroyd will be making a very 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 small cameo as a cab driver with one line, and that line is, "I ain't afraid of no ghost." So there's that. Get it? Like, you know, from the original. Yeah. And like, then apparently Kristen Wiig responds back something along the lines of, I ain't afraid of no ghost is a double negative. You just said you are afraid of ghosts. Hmm. 
I can't. I mean, like, the level of disappointment I have in this whole thing is like reaching depths that I've never experienced before. I'm so disappointed in everyone involved with this <laughs> that it's like bringing me true sadness. <laughs> and uh, poor Harold Ramis. Turning over in his grave. I, I'm, you know, actually, I'm glad he doesn't have to see this. Yeah. I don't think he ever would have signed off on this. No, no way. You notice this didn't happen until he died. Yeah. Despite being talked about for years. Yeah, I think if um, if uh, Bill Murray would have been a little more vocal about it, it probably wouldn't have happened. You think he could have killed it? I think so. But uh, here we are. This is where we live now. <laughs> we live in this world. This is this is our life. intrigued by <laughs> back in 2008 uh, T- Todd Berg- Berger or Berger and D. Robertson wrote a movie or a screenplay called The Happy Time Murders recently STX Entertainment has teamed up with the Jim Henson Company to revive The Happy Time Murders revisions are being written by Eric and John Hober who are the writers of Red and Red 2. If you haven't seen those, um, think, think, ex- think Expendables, but more clandestine. Yeah, okay. It's like Bruce Willis and John Malkovich, if yeah. that gives you any indication. Um, John Malkovich. His character, that's fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> like batshit crazy. <laughs> uh, the Happy Time Murders which is currently untitled, but that is the, the working title, will mix live action and puppets. It will be directed by Brian Henson, Jim Henson's son, who says it will take puppets to a place where we have never gone before on the big screen. We are thrilled that Adam Fogelson and his folks at STX showed the daring confidence to get behind this project. What is the Happy Time Murders about, you ask? In a world where puppets coexist with humans as second-class citizens, puppet private eye and disgraced ex-cop Phil Phillips is hot on the trail of the serial killer who murdered his brother and is now targeting the cast members of the famous 80s television show The Happy Time Gang. As the killings continue, Phil's former flame, Jenny, is next on the list. It's up to Phil and his ex-partner, Detective Edwards, to find the culprit, but as bad blood and old resentments resurface, the clues start pointing to the only viable suspect, Phil himself. Now he's on the run with only his wits and hard-headed determination as he tries to solve the Happy Time murders. I really want to see this as like a um, kind of a noir-style thing. I, I get the feeling that's the plan. Um, they described it as Avenue Q meets L.A. Confidential. I can get behind that. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking like, um, yeah, like L.A. Confidential and like uh, uh, Black Dahlia. That, that kind yeah. Of- um, of course, most of those take place in like the 30s or 40s or whatever. But yeah. When was the Black Dahlia murder? I guess it was in the 40s. Yeah, I think so. So, 
Uh, Adam Fogelson, the chairman of the STX Entertainment Motion Picture Group, says, This is as unique a screenplay as we have seen in a long time with relatable characters and a fantastic story. The project is a daring and original R-rated comedy with a distinctive voice that is completely unconventional and fun. I almost would have liked this. I think it would have been funnier if they didn't intentionally make it a comedy. Yeah. I think if they did it completely straight-laced, yeah, that it would be fucking hilarious. Go, like, super dark with it. Yeah. That would be really funny. <laughs> it, it's it's weird that it would be funnier if they didn't try to make yeah. it a comedy. <laughs> but, I mean, you're going to see, like, puppet guts where there's, like, you know, cotton coming out of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, I kind of think of it as, like, a Roger Rabbit with puppets. Yeah, essentially. So that's something I'm I'm very interested in. No word yet on when they're going to start filming, and obviously no release date. But we are going to definitely be keeping an eye on this one. Yeah, definitely. So I think all of us have, you know, assholes just full of smoke that Sam Raimi has blown up there. Um, And he continues to do it, seemingly with great pleasure. Yeah, him and and, uh, fucking Campbell both just, they love the bullshit. It it borders on irritating. Yeah. (laughs) I'm amazed that Ash vs. Evil Dead is actually happening. Yeah. I remember when we, when we first heard news of that, we, yeah, we were, were both like, well, just like, "We'll see." Well, I mean, like when we actually saw that it was happening. Oh yeah, we we're just like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> um. Anyway, so he continues to, to tease us ever so sweetly. <laughs> um, about a Ash Mia crossover, Evil Dead crossover, um, at uh, San Diego Comic Con. He was quoted by Joe Blow saying, uh, when asked about... No, this, this, is, this is not him saying this. This is... Oh, excuse me. A quote from the website. I misread. Okay. Um, well, okay, so he was... He he insinuated that the, that was still a possibility at uh, San Diego Comic-Con um, last weekend. Uh, well, I guess it would be two weekends ago at this point. Um, but then uh, he... Kind of casually retracts it. Yeah, he pulled it back a little bit. Uh, on <laughs> through Joe Blow, he was quoted saying, um, "We are we, when asked about the series leading into yet another movie, there was a bit of hesitation to reveal details." But s- oh, god damn it! You said this. I just said this is not a quote. I only listened to like half of what you say <laughs> on Joe Blow. If you listened more, then maybe you wouldn't sound like an asshole on the podcast constantly. <laughs> It's my show. I can sound like an <laughs> asshole if I want. Uh, okay. On Joe Blow, they said, when asked about the series leading into yet another movie, there was a, a bit of hesitation to reveal details, but Sam Raimi said that because of the success of the reason, recent Evil Dead remake, it's possible that Ash and Jane Levy's Mia character could come together in a future movie and battle evil. Then... then. <laughs> When he was directly asked about it by Shock Till You Drop, he was actually quoted this time <laughs> as saying, It's something Fide and I just talked about once. <laughs> Prick. Uh, I probably shouldn't have said anything. You think? <laughs> 
Yeah, it's like you know you got millions of people waiting with bated breath for this shit to happen. Yeah, hanging on your every word, asshole. Um, I think we still have a lot of stories to tell. The writers and the writing staff and Craig DiGregorio, uh, our showrunner, have a lot of stories to tell of Ash before something like that would take place. So it sounds like they want Ash versus the Evil Dead to run its course for Bruce Campbell to be way too fucking old to do it anymore. <laughs> uh, and then, then they can just fucking mothball the idea. Probably. Because he's a real son of a bitch. Yeah. So I'm going to stop listening to anything Sam Raimi says. Yeah. I I keep saying that. <laughs> and yet I, here we are. I know. What's wrong with me? <laughs> um, so many things. Thanks. Dick. Anyway, so... If something like something amazing happens, then we'll tell you, but... I don't know. Or maybe we'll just wait until something actually happens and not tell you anything Sam Raimi says ever again. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So Dead Island 2 is in trouble. It's kind of up on cinder blocks right now. Yeah. Um, the original Dead Island was put out through Techland, who decided not to put out the second one. I, I don't know if they had contract disputes or what, what exactly the issue there was, yeah. but they decided to, to go with another company called uh, Jaeger. Not Jaegermeister. Fucking Jaeger bombs. Fucking this Jaeger bombs, bro. The Deep Silver, the, the company that makes the games, just sp- spent all night doing Jaeger bombs. <laughs> no, uh, this is Jaeger with a Y. Jager. Jager. Maybe it's Jogging. Maybe it's a soft Y. <laughs> um, but now Deep Silver and Jager Jaeger are. Kaputs. They're Splitsville, baby doll. Yep. <laughs> um, state Kick re- rocks. <laughs> Step off. Uh, Deep Silver released a statement saying, With Dead Island 2, Deep Silver has always been dedicated to delivering the sequel that Dead Island fans deserve. After careful consideration, today we announce the decision to part ways with development partner Jaeger. We will continue working towards bringing our vision of Dead Island 2 to life, and we will share further information at a later stage. Our Jaeger team is fully committed to the... This was was a a later um, quote. This is from Jaeger. Or Jaeger. Yes? No? <laughs> uh, it, yes. I'm Tony. I don't know how to take notes properly. Fuck you. <laughs> Our Jaeger team is fully committed to the development of AAA quality titles. Oh, here we go. Right? Timo Ullman, manager director at Jaeger. Okay. It's in there. I apologize. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah, dick there. face. Look at you with a dick on your face. You know what? I retract my apology. Good. I don't need your petty apology. We work closely. You know who I am? Hey, shut the fuck up. I'm talking. (laughs) 
We work closely with international publishers and partners and have at the same time always remained an independent development studio. Our team is made of the best creative minds and tech specialists who all share a common identity. The team worked with enthusiasm to take Dead Island 2 to a new level of quality. However, Jaeger and Deep Silver's respective visions of the project fell out of alignment, which led to the decision that has been made. We'll focus our current efforts on Dreadnought together with Six Foot and our publisher Graybox, as well as on new projects. That's a lot of different entities. <laughs> More details will be disclosed soon. All I can reveal at this point is that Gamescom will be awesome for Dreadnought. I don't know what that last sentence means. but <laughs> Gamescom is a convention of some sort. I think it's like where game developers really, like, they bring out their Like an E3 leadership. kind of thing? Kinda. Okay. If, if I... I've heard of it correctly. I could be wrong. I don't know. Hmm. Um, it, you know, this is—I don't—I don't know if you actually said this or not, but uh, it was recently delayed till 2016 before all this happened. Yeah. Um, and you know, when they first started showing like commercials for it, it gave me the impression that that was like it was like on the trucks ready to go I mean you would think but I mean if you go back to when the original Dead Island trailer came out that was like three years before the actual game came out was it I I guess I don't really remember yeah Um, and also the the trailer for part one is really the best part of this entire franchise (laughs) Dead Island was pretty disappointing yeah especially since that trailer was fucking epic yeah it was Jesus like it was heartbreaking yeah and the game just did not live up to the potential. Yeah. Not to say the game is bad, but it's just that bar was set so high. Yeah. Uh, you should definitely not shoot your wad on the advertising. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it's not looking good for Dead Island 2. No, I mean, like, they've given no indication that it's even being worked on anymore. I mean, they do say we will continue working towards bringing our vision of Dead Island 2 to life. Um, yeah. Which, uh, come on, use a zombie pun there. It's right. <laughs> it's right there. Take it. <laughs> um, but no mention of, like, teaming with any other uh, development company or distributor. And no further announcements coming. Yeah. So I, we'll, we'll see where this leads, uh, if anywhere. Yeah, it, it it sounds like right now it's going on a shelf. Yeah. So, first, want to point out the source of this news. Oh, you're going to bring this up, huh? Should I not? I I don't care. I just it's not really that relevant. But I mean. If, well, I mean, I've talked about it before, so I might as well continue the trend. Yeah, go for it. The source of this news came from Bloody Disgusting. And while Bloody Disgusting at one point was, like, the place to go for genre news, um, it's now become kind of a joke. Um, Although I, I would like to point out that this news was originally broken by The Hollywood Reporter. So, well, as you were saying, you know, Mr. Disgusting, Brad Miska, he posted this article talking about the story, basically gloating that 
people always doubt their their scoop stories and how even though they're always doubted and people don't believe they're true that they're always true and it's like no (laughs) (laughs) and how fucking arrogant man it's like you may think that you're the hot shit still but let me inform you that there are at least three or four other sites or, you know, like genre news so- sources that I could think of right off the top of my head that are not only providing better news, but are becoming more popular than you very quickly. So maybe practice a little bit of fucking um, humility. Humility, thank you. Um, anyway, so. I, you know, I, I worry about talking about stuff like this. I'm worried that I'm, we're going to be somehow blacklisted, but I mean, by who? I, I, I don't know how much pull Miska has in the, yeah. I mean, the realm, but I, they've gotten a lot of enemies too. Well, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's shit like this that is turning people off. Yeah. Um, you actually have the article pulled up in front of me and it says, this is the, the opening paragraph. Hilarious how people attempt to debunk our scoops, even when they always end up being dead on. Man, even when a studio or star openly deny a report, we know the truth, which is the reason we run the story in the first place. You are so full of shit, man. Anyway. And full of yourself. So, in a story originally broken by The Hollywood Reporter, um, apparently the movie It has been dusted off. Uh, in the wake of um, Kerry Fukunaga leaving the project. Um, And New Line, right? Yes. New Line is uh, in talks with Andre Muschietti, Muschietti, right? Yep. Uh, Who is the director of Mama. Muschietti. No. Did you see Mama? Did I see Mama? I don't think I did. I wasn't really that impressed. That was um, Guillermo del Toro produced that, right? Yeah, he produced it. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, the movie itself, like, it was very drawn out, and didn't seem like it was going anywhere. And then the ending came, and you're just like, what? Uh, so yeah, all in all, I was just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> anyway, so they're talking to him about possibly directing. Uh, there's nothing solid yet, but this is uh, what what we know so far. Uh, it's apparent that the script will be rewritten by um, a new writer who is someone, <clears throat> yeah, who who has yet to be probably even hired. Yeah, as far as I know. Yeah, um, no release date. Granted, I mean, if you got to rewrite the whole script, it kind of makes sense that you wouldn't know when it's going to come out. Well, right, but I mean, we were originally shooting for what, like, was it early two thousand seventeen? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. So, I think this is something that people are just going to lose interest in. Yeah, and then it'll come out, and people go, "Oh, right." Yeah, it's like. Uh, well, you know, maybe if we have a free weekend, we'll go see it. Yeah. Uh, if not, we'll just, you know, we'll wait till the Blu-ray comes out. Right. We'll just wait until it's on Netflix. We'll red box it. Um, 
Uh, it's not known if Will Poulter is still playing Pennywise. Yeah, that was Kerry Fukunaga's pick. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people were on the fence about that. Yeah, me and myself included. If, if I had to guess, I would think no. But that's just a guess. Yeah, I mean, unless this uh, Muschietti guy likes him, then maybe. But other otherwise, I mean, it's very rare that you hire a director and don't give him say over who his lead actor is. Yeah. So. So it's kind of up up to Muchete. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we'll see if that happens or you know whatever. Yeah, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, moving on to Remains. And speaking of new directors, the Birds remake is apparently still happening and has found its director, a gentleman by the name of Diedrich von Ruhigen, who is a Dutch. It's probably how it's said, too. <laughs> it's, I, don't, it, I don't know. He is a Dutch slash, uh, writer slash director. The Birds remake is being produced by Platinum Dunes and Michael Bay, which you know what that means. Exploding birds. (laughs) Uh, They are currently circling Naomi Watts to star in the main role. Sure. Yeah, I I could deal with that. Yeah, I mean, whatever. But I mean, fuck Michael Bay. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, This is almost insulting. I mean, fucking Hitchcock and you give it to Michael Bay. Yeah, really. Like... That's just absurd. Just just no. <laughs> Give me your hand. Give me your hand. Um, Kevin Smith is working on a new uh, holidays segment. Holidays is an anthology movie. Thank you. I remember that now. Um, it's going to be called Camhain. Um his quote, he was quoted saying directly, uh, it's about cam girls working on Holloway night. So instead of Sam Hain, it's Cam Hain. Ah, uh, get it. Um, in other news, Kevin Smith does not know that it is actually pronounced <laughs> Sawin. Technically. Uh, I mean, technically, that's how it's pronounced. <laughs> this was an our trick or treat. Drunken cinema. <laughs> Are we just reciting exactly it's, what I said? It's a it's callback humor. <laughs> um, it's gonna start. Jason News, uh, because of course, uh, and Harley Morenstein, who's from Epic Meal Time and seems to be showing up fucking everywhere lately. Yeah, he was in Tusk. Yeah, um, he was in um, uh, Dead Rising. Oh yeah. Uh, he was in the Madden 15 commercial. Yeah. Hey, Dave, your house is on fire. Let it burn. But your house. <laughs> I said let it burn. Oh, okay. Uh, apparently, Harley's playing a douchey, villainous cam girl pimp. Because those are things <laughs> that exist uh, with a sad shirt. That's a quote from Smith. I don't know. Dude needs to stop fucking smoking. Jesus um, Christ. He's melting his brain at an exponential rate. And it's it's even worse than that. Have you seen his character for Yoga Hosers? I have. For those of you who have not, he plays a foot-tall bratwurst 
who is a Nazi. And his name is the Bratzi. I wish I was joking. As in Luca Bratzi. No, not like that. Like a, like a brat Nazi. Yeah. Uh, it's, and then mall brats is a thing. Right. Kevin Smith just needs to stop. I'm sorry. Just stop. Well, it's like, you know, I was initially excited for a Mallrats sequel. Um, but then when I heard that it's actually going to be called Mallrats, my mind actually started. Mallrats. What did I say? Mallrats. Oh, yes. Mallrats. Um, my mind actually started thinking about what that movie would be about. His daughter. Probably. Um, I mean, and, and Johnny Depp's daughter. <laughs> well, it's like all the original cast, except for fucking Butchin, um, is they're all signed on or have all agreed to. Um, so I, I don't know where they're where they're going with that. I don't know. Um, yeah. So Kevin Smith, he needs to just. Calm down. Yeah. Uh, another news: 2014 best-selling novel *The Killer Next Door* by Alex Marwood is being adapted into a film. *The Killer Next Door* centers on six neighbors forced into an unlikely alliance without realizing that one of them is a killer who will do anything to protect his secret. Ooh, ooh, scary. Uh, this is being produced by James Franco and Vince Jolivet for Rabbit Bandini Productions. Sal Bandini, you want to wrestle? <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> uh, as well as Anna O'Reilly, who may star or may not. All right. <laughs> There's a lot of people who may or may not be in it. Okay. Us, for example. Yeah. It is a, there is potential that we could be in this, but maybe not. Right. They haven't contacted us, but if they do, we'll probably say yes. <laughs> as long as they fly us to be in it. I'm the killer. Dude, now they're not going to call us. <laughs> Spoilers. All right, the Dark Tower finally gets a director. Directors for everyone. Um, don't get too excited because, as you know, this has been around multiple times. Uh, talks of Dark Tower has it's been going on for years. So let's wait until they're actually in production to get excited. Yeah, um, Nick. Whoa. I'm pretty sure it's Nikolai. Okay, Nikolai Arcel uh, from A Royal Affair. Um, or God, I know that name, or I know that title for some reason. Royal Affair. Uh, looks like it's some kind of Pride and Prejudice thing. Okay. Uh, a young queen who is married to an insane king falls secretly in love with her physician, and together they start a revolution that changes the nation forever. Okay. Um, well, Hannibal's in it. M- Mads. Mads Mickelson. Yep, that was one. Uh, the script is being rewritten, which is always a disappointing thing to hear, because that means they're starting from square one. Basically. Uh, by Anders Thomas Jensen. Uh, the original script was written by Akiva Goldsman, who's kind of hot shit in Hollywood. I can't think of any projects of his off the top of my head but uh and jeff uh, jeff pinkner um 
as we've mentioned before, and this still seems to be the case, this is going to be the first in a film franchise that will also have a parallel running TV series. Um, I, I think the only thing I the only thing that comes to mind that I can compare that to is like X Files. Yeah, because I mean those. Well, like, God, did the second movie come out when the show was still on? I can't remember. I don't know. Anyway, have you heard who has been discussed as the gunslinger? Liam Neeson. No, I hadn't heard Liam Neeson. That that's kind of older news. I don't. I don't know if something else is. I heard Russell Crowe. Oh fuck's sake! Fighting around the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! It's Russell Crowe. <laughs> Uh yeah. So we'll we we'll hear more on that and then we'll let you know, but don't don't get too excited yet. Wesley Snipes is in talks with Marvel to bring back Blade. Marvel recently reacquired the rights to the Daywalker from New Line. And as Snipes said, the project is controlled by Marvel and we did have a really productive and a wonderful meeting and we discussed a number of things. I don't know where it's on their schedule at this point. That hasn't been decided. I guess it's still up in the air. So we talked, and we've made no progress. Yeah. <laughs> but Wesley Snipes also forgets to pay his taxes. Yeah, forgot. <laughs> um, so this could possibly... Just like I forgot to pay my power bill. <laughs> this, this could mean a Blade 4, or there's a rumor that they could go the Netflix route since Netflix has a deal with Marvel after Daredevil. Right. Um, I, I could go either way with this. Um, I mean, Blade 3 was fucking bullshit. Yeah, it was. Because you had your buddy in it. <laughs> I knew you were going to go there! <laughs> um, but, uh... And then they, You're talking they, about Triple H, right? Yeah, him. Um, they then they attempted to make a TV show that was more based around the comic, if I remember right. Yeah, I don't remember that. Um, it was on Spike TV uh, when Spike TV was new. Like it was uh, was was a TNN had just converted to Spike. Yeah, that's um, right. The Nashville Network. <laughs> for those of you at home. Um, yeah, that was one of the original shows. Like there was, there was Blade, and then there was some fucking Pamela Anderson cartoon on. That was barbed wire. It wasn't barbed wire. It was. I swear they made a cartoon of barbed wire. No, it was um. She, she was like she was a stripper who was also like a superhero. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, Boobarella. Uh. Anyway, but uh, I mean, a Netflix series could go well because they could make it more like the movie or movies less like a more like a you know cable they wouldn't have the restrictions that a cable network would have yeah on Netflix um I'm just kind of disappointed that um Daredevil didn't go there because Daredevil is inherently a very violent series I kind of got the impression it's going to go that way more in season 2 I'd like to see that uh anyway so either way could be good, I guess. Could be cool. <laughs> um, but we'll see. Uh, Hannibal director Brian Fuller uh, kind of sort of hinted at where the show may be going uh, while he was at uh, Comic-Con. 
Uh, he said we're looking at the possibility of a feature. Would it be called The Silence of the Lambs? Because I think that's been done. Yeah. Uh, or they could call it Red Dragon. Or Manhunter. Manhunter. Mancunter. Fancunter. Uh, he says uh, there's actually a pocket in one of the novels that I won't say specifically because it would betray the end of season three events, uh, which I guess it's still running until September. Um, but there's something that hasn't been done that we would like to, that we love to do with Mads and Hugh uh, and incarnations of their characters that I think would be a really fascinating psychological thriller. Um, this thing from the books that I find so fascinating, or this is this thing from the books that I find fascinating and earned that nobody has. What the fuck is going on with this quote? The thing from the books that I find fascinating and I'll probably learned that nobody has done in the previous adaptations. So, um, I am not familiar enough with the books to try and make a guess as to what that might be. Neither am I. I, I couldn't tell you, like, from any of the movies, uh, Manhunter included, I couldn't tell you, like, a single difference between those and the books. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, this, if they do do a feature... <laughs> do do. <laughs> <laughs> Poop. Plop. <laughs> uh... Then, you know, that would give some reprieve to the fans that want more, but apparently aren't going to get it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, that's it for horror business. Yeah. And guess what, kids? What? We tell ha- me, tell me. We have something that we have not had in a long time. We have an interview. Yay! <laughs> um, <clears throat> we just did it earlier. Uh and, as you can tell, my throat's starting to give out a little bit. Because <laughs> um, we've been talking for a long time now. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but uh, we finally locked down the interview with the crew from Luchagor Productions. Yep. Uh, that was Gigi Guerrero, Rainer Shima, and Luke Bramley. Uh, the three co-creators of Luchagor Productions. Yeah. Um, it's a... Gigi's the director, Rainer's the producer, and um, Luke is uh, cinematographer. Cinematographer and sometimes co-director. He, he kind of seemed like he did a little bit of everything. Like he's jack of all trades. Yeah, he's kind of writer. He's a um, cinematographer. He's a f- editor, director sometimes. Gopher, so. driver, <laughs> coffee guy. Um. Anyway, so Swedish massages. <laughs> That was a fun interview, so let's head into it right now. Alright guys, you're here with Skeletoni. And Taylor of Terror. And we are here with uh, a trio from Luchagor Productions. Uh, we're talking to Gigi Guerrero, Rainer Shima, and Luke Bramley. How you doing, guys? Not too bad. Yeah, awesome. Good. Thank you. Cool. Uh, thanks a lot for being with, with us today. Uh, it's uh, really nice to 
finally talk to you. We've been try- trying to do this for, God, like a month longer, maybe? More, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's been a long process to... Very hectic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it seems like you guys have been some uh, pretty busy folks. Yeah, it's, you know, I guess when thing, the ball starts to get rolling, you know, it's it doesn't stop, and you kind of, like, realize, you're just like, holy cow, man, like, I don't have any free time anymore, and it sucks. <laughs> uh, I guess in, a, in an industry where it's kind of hard to make your mark, that's a good problem to have. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing, right? If you're not busy, then there's something to worry about, I guess. It's, it's kind of one of those things. It's, uh, it's a double-edged sword, right? Like, if you're... For sure. Yeah. It's also a, a bit of a lifestyle. I mean, once you're submersed in it, it's kind of everything that you do takes over your life, really. Yeah, that's can, the fun of it as well. I can imagine. Yeah, you get pretty engrossed in you know whatever whatever it is you do for a living. You tend to get pretty uh, captured by it, I guess. Exactly. So uh, I guess maybe we should go down the line and uh, maybe introduce yourselves and uh, talk about what it is you you guys do it. Uh, uh, Luchagor. Rainer. <laughs> okay, well, um, yeah, my name's Rainer. I'm the producer of uh, Luchagor Productions. So basically, you know, as an independent film producer, it's you're 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 managing a lot of different positions, you know, versus you know the real world of a a, a union or a producer that's you know making big budget stuff. They have a different different positions that they can fill. I'm I'm maintaining a lot of those different aspects where I have to look after, you know, the, also along with the creative side, but it's the budget, the locations, mm-hmm. contracts, just getting all that sorted out so we can actually make the damn films that we make. So <laughs> it's, it's a lot of work, but, you know, I love doing it. It's always been one of my, my passions, is, you know, kind of overseeing everything in that sense and, and seeing it come to life from pre-production to production to post-production and you know, releasing it basically after all said and done. It's it's a big weight off your shoulders when you see the work that the work that comes out. And basically, you know, I've just always enjoyed it and I'll let Luke take over. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm Luke. Uh, my main focus with Luchagor is uh, the cinematography. Uh, I also work with the, in development, developing the stories. Uh, sometimes I'll uh, uh, assist with the tweaking the writing a little bit. Uh, I'm kind of a second eyes on the scripts. Uh, occasionally I'll co-direct with Gigi, and also I'm involved in the post-process, so I, we also edit as well. Cool. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm Gigi, and uh, yeah, it's been it's really cool working with Luke because we do a lot of the creative work very closely together. As Luke said, we we have co-directed and we edit together a lot, uh, so that's a lot of fun with Luke. I direct uh, a lot of our shorts as well as co-write. Um, but yeah, I, you're pretty much talking to the three co-founders of the company, so so that's pretty cool. Exactly. Uh, uh-huh. that, that we're all here together talking to you because usually it doesn't happen very often. It's like one or two or yeah. one or two. <laughs> right. Well, lucky us. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So how did you guys each individually kind of start getting interested in horror? What movies inspired you growing up? Well, Luke can start off with that one. Yeah, Luke. <laughs> Started. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm I'm the uh, oldest of the crew, so I you know I grew up with a lot of the uh, '80s and uh, early '90s horror. Horror kind of uh, 
peaked during then and it kind of slid off a little bit during the mid 90s i found so Agreed. a lot of no my arguments. inspirations yeah <laughs> yeah a lot of my influences are like you know uh texas chainsaw massacre is a big one evil dead and then getting into the slashers of the 80s of uh, a nightmare on elm street and uh the friday the 13th series i love a lot of the really gory ones uh also a bit of supernatural so you're going back to the exorcist uh, recently, The Conjuring, I thought was really good. Yeah, a lot, a lot of the uh, blood, guts, and gore ones, though, are, have, I've always been a big fan of. Yeah, when, when I started film school, which I went to film school with Luke, I actually wasn't into horror as much. Like, I always, you know, liked it, appreciated it, and would watch it, but I didn't take it, you know, too seriously. I was all about comedies and, like, dumb comedies Luke would always make fun of me for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, we, sometimes I still do. Yeah, sometimes you still. We won't talk about Little which Mickey. ones. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I like to. Um, but yeah, no, when I started becoming friends with Luke, he really introduced me to so many horror films other than the ones you usually see at the uh, at the theater. Um, he started introducing me to Rob Zombie a lot, which I immediately fell in love with devil's rejects it's a film i've seen i don't i've lost count how many times and that just piqued my interest right away and we started shooting uh you know little horror shorts in school and then i just started getting so obsessed with that kind of hillbilly you know gritty kind of style to films like uh like hills of eyes as well and texas chainsaw um but now i'm a big fan of of anything horror, I absolutely love the Spanish films like Rec One and Two. Um, mm-hmm. Martyrs, the French one's really good. Um, but uh, I will always be a Rodriguez fan, so I always had a nice. little bit of gore and blood uh, <laughs> passion in there. Late, late, late Rodriguez. Late, 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 late no, early Rodriguez. No, early, early, early Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Yeah. Not late. Tonight. <laughs> not late. No. Take that back. You guys, uh, not not fans of uh, the. From Dust Till Dawn ther- uh, series. No. That one's that one. Oh, not the series. Um, I've watched the I'll first couple episodes, but I wasn't. I don't know. I just, I just haven't. I haven't given it a shot. I'm gonna be honest. They basically just took the entire like first movie and just like spread it out through an entire season. I mean, exactly. you know, entire yeah, season seeing like, like thirteen episodes, but and it doesn't oh. have George Clooney and Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> no, <laughs> and, and Salma Hayek, dude that plays um uh. Seth. Seth, he's he's got his uh, DJ Katrona. Clo- yeah, he's got his Clooney impression like down pat. It's it's pretty uh, pretty good. <laughs> but um, anyway, so uh, wait, we still need to hear Rainer's oh, inspirations. Right. <laughs> well, okay, I guess I would be the second oldest because I'm a couple of years younger than Luke, and then Gigi, yeah, still being the big baby out of all of us. So it's <laughs> it's just pretty funny. So we we bugger a lot, but for me, I think back when. You know, I was a little kid too. I was introduced at a very young age to my dad. You know, he just didn't really care. So, you know, he made me watch Aliens when I was like four. And, you know, from then on, I was frightened out of my mind. And I thought Terminator 2 was real. And <laughs> I started watching more of those kind of movies. I got into like Texas Chainsaw, uh, Evil Dead. And then, you know, basically after that, it was kind of getting into like some of the more foreign films, like even like Dar- Dario Argento's, like um, Suspiria. Oh God, I, I could keep going on, but yeah, I've always had a, a knack for it and a, a passion for it as well because it's just one of those things you, you, as a viewer, 
you know, it's, it's like an escape for reality when you get to watch those films. Like, if you even go back to, like, Jaws when it first came out, how it scared the shit out of everybody. Mm-hmm. As a, you know, also being a summer blockbuster hit, and then you even look at Exorcist back in the day, but when that came out, like, religion was so big in that, big around that time, it just, like, scared the living shit out of people. And I don't know, I always wanted to instill that in our films, too, as well, in a, in a different kind of way. Like, you know, nothing we really, we've made has Make been, like... Yeah, just make an impact, and I think with us meeting Gigi and working with Gigi and us all together, kind of in, in influencing the American culture with like this Spanish vibe, kind of on the term on the lines of Robert Rodriguez, you know. But we we add our own twist to it, right? And our own our own unique style. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's something that we've evolved into our own work, and you know what Luchibor is if you see our film, and and that's horror to us. So and that what you see is what you see from us all kind of coming together and creating it right yeah and you know i definitely picked up on that uh um like grindhouse uh kind of you know you mentioned rob zombie and um rodriguez uh, both of their styles i definitely picked that up in your work so i could definitely you know see that as kind of one of your big influences like yeah i think if even if you could look at a lot of our lighting and for luke's cinematography all of our stuff is pretty colorful. There's always mm-hmm. colors that you can, like I say, I reference Suspiria a lot because some of the stuff lights up I get a little crazy with the blues and reds. Yeah. <laughs> too much blue, too much yeah. blue. He's like, G- G- hey. has to tell me to take it back. And then it's like, Luke, when I said too much blue, that doesn't mean too much red now. <laughs> and it's like a lot of. But it it, it, it adds to that tone of awesome. our stuff. That's the thing, right? It's. And he's like, let me do my job. Yeah. <laughs> so you go full JJ Abrams. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We could we could rant on for hours of how the lighting changes throughout the decades, and there's always like a kind of a trendy style that kind of goes throughout filmmaking. It's pretty funny if you actually look at a lot of films that got released and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So many like, especially action movies now. There's there's those deep blues, like pretty much the entire thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um, let's talk about Luchador as a company, I guess, or you know, yeah. as, as a production studio. Um, where did where did it all get started? I mean, where did where did it all come from? Uh, well, believe it or not, the the name Luchador. Luke came up with it. Um, the, the the whitest, nicest guy in our <laughs> You would think that I would have come up with something like that, but no, Luke was like, uh, I think it was during class, right, Luke? Like, suddenly he just, like, whispered it to me during class. Yeah, yeah, it was when we started uh, kind of experimenting with, with your Spanish influences a lot, and we were kind That's of right. starting to go that way. That's right, yeah, and Luke, Luke just during class... You know, we were obviously not paying attention in theory. Uh, we were, Luke was like, hey, what about Lucha Gore Productions? I was like, what about it? And he's like, not interested at all. And he's like, well, I don't know. Just, you know, Lucha Gore instead of a luchador. Get it? <laughs> yeah, Luke, Luke is the pun master. Set, like, the pun master. I guess it is kind of a pun. Right? Yeah. And, and I was like, uh, sure and then maybe a year later after we made a couple you know little shorts we made like 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 evil dead in 60 seconds which was a a viral hit and we made a little web series and we graduated school i remember i was like luke 
what was that name you told me last year last year in class and he's like luchu i'm like that's our name and then from there <laughs> we, you know we it just kind of stuck with us and pe- people really like our name so um but yeah as as the years went you know we met, we went we met with Rainer and who actually went to our rival film school rival rival film school sorry my spanglish kicks in okay <laughs> um yeah that went to our rival film school uh it was pretty funny that we were the only ones you know in town that had people from our film school working with uh people from Rainer's film school which most like 90% of the time they bash each other all the time so it's pretty cool that Luchagor has, you know, 50-50 of both in all the departments. It's pretty cool. Um, I think over the time, like, just even for Luchagor growing, like Gigi said, and, and how we all kind of came to be from when we first started, like, our very first kind of big project was Choose Your Victim. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Like, yes, yeah. we have. Oh, you guys have watched all, all eight of them? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> big fans are actually yeah. going to ask you about that later on. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely, we'll, we'll definitely get into that. But basically, yeah. So, you know, it was us, us three, kind of organizing. Our friend Gordon, Gordon Chang too, as well. He's not here, but uh, he, you know, he was a big help with that that web series, kind of getting us off the ground because it was such a big undertaking for us mm-hmm. to get that all done in four months, and it was insane. So basically, after that, we grew. Like after each episode, we kind of learned and we we switched things, we changed things, and we adapted, and you know kept filming right we just we went through but after after that web series was over we went into a couple other projects and but we just kept at the same time as we kept growing our team and growing our team and i think you know if it wasn't for the people that believed in us and helped us in our work we wouldn't really be here today because we've just if you look at back of how far we've gone Jesus, I, I yeah, don't even think about choose your victim anymore. Yeah, but like, Sometimes yeah, it's been so long ago. <laughs> yeah, it's been so long. But like, yeah. over the years, we've been acquiring just more and more talent and amazing people and amazing crew just to be a part of us and, and want to work with us. It's always such a cool thing to see where we've come from, even though, you know, we're <laughs> we still, still have our day jobs, but, you know, we still maintain this quality of work at the same time. And that's one thing that people have to look at when they see our stuff is that, you know, we're not doing this full time. We're still, you know, we're, we're still working a day job and at the, and we're shooting on weekends and we're editing on our times off. And it's, it's crazy. It's <laughs> one day we can you know, focus, maintain. What? Did you guys watch Gigante? Did we send you the link? Yeah. Friendly? Yeah. And then we also, we went to Nifty too and saw it on the big screen. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Yeah, we actually like had a couple opportunities to uh, like chat with you, Gigi. Um, actually, I think Rainer, you were there too. Yeah, I, w- yeah. I was there. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, then we I saw you at Crypticon too. Oh, did we? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, my gosh. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's like, you know, we, you, it seemed like you were, like, really busy and tied up talking to people at Nifty, so we just said, uh, you know, maybe we'll catch her at Crypticon. And then at Crypticon, we could not find you guys. And the one time we saw you was in the middle of the Sasuke panel, and we couldn't exactly go and talk to you then. Yeah. Oh, oh, so oh. you guys witnessed when Ray, when everyone knew that Rainer had to take a shit during the Yes. Yeah. <laughs> God, that was the best day of my life. <laughs> well, you know, it's like I saw you, saw you, Gigi, and I was going to stop and say hi, stop you and say hi, but you were walking into the bathroom, so I figured oh. it wouldn't be a good time. 
Don't go pee. <laughs> Hold on, talk to me. You've never met me before. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, I'm glad you guys saw it. Yeah, I, I'm no. nifty because because uh, I think Crypticon, it was it was really tiny screen. Yeah, it was it was kind of a different, but that was like but you I'm know, glad it was you guys a, watched it. Yeah, a show. I remember at Nifty, as soon as it ended, the guy sitting behind us was like, "What the fuck." Yeah, <laughs> and that, that was our biggest. That was our biggest, I'm the so most glad. challenging film that we ever made. Pretty much, it I was, think so too. That was our kind of could big, definitely tell big opportunity to show show the world we what we make. got, what we can make, and you know where we can where, where we want to take it. Right, like our, our other films, you know, what Day of the Dead, Dia de los Muertos. We didn't really expect it to get into a Mexican anthology, but we just made it as a short film because we had. A chance to with the free equipment that was being offered by Capilano, and well, we was, raised some money. Last year in school, yeah, so in the we last had a year, chance but like, to make something. It's just, it's just amazing to see where we've all come from. From four years ago now, I think. No, three. Is it? No, that's four years ago. Two thousand eleven. No, two thousand twelve, baby. Yeah, I mean, to, uh, it to, just feels like four <laughs> years to you. <laughs> to the outside, you know, to the outside eye, it really, guys, it seems like you guys just kind of sprung up out of nowhere. Um, and uh, I mean, you know, you've got uh, El Gigante. Uh, you had uh, M is for Matador, which is an ABCs of Death one point five, correct? Two point five, two point five, two point five. They, they changed the name, but they still haven't said anything about it yet. Like out in the world yet? Ah, but it's happening. Did they announce? Oh, not. Oh, they haven't even announced it yet. So they I'm... just made us sign papers. <laughs> <laughs> they like to do that. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, you, you mean you guys really just kind of sh- like I said, shooting up almost seemed like out of nowhere. It's uh, really impressive to see such a quickly rising star. Um, so, I mean, what's what's going on for you guys right now? I mean, uh, we we know that you uh, were planning to make the the full length version of Elegante, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah we um we're actually. Uh, pitching next week the feature of El Gigante at uh, Fantasia Film Festival. At the, well, front, at the, sorry, at the market, market of market. Fantasia, which is called Frontiers. Frontiers. Yeah, Fr- Frontiers Market. Sorry. Cool. Um, so that's that's big news. That's really cool, and that's just one step closer of getting this feature funded. Because um, we we love Shane McKenzie's book, which Gigante is based off. Um, it's so cool and that was the original idea when we made El Gigante was to make a proof of concept of uh, of the entire story what what we filmed was only chapter one um, but never did we expect that our proof of concept the short film would be so successful around the world mm-hmm. that that it, it's just so cool to see that that happened and, and now you know the the buzz for for the short film to expand into feature is growing, so so that's the plan. That's the plan. Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, we just you know we're continuing to develop the feature scripts, and at the same time with this frontiers market that we're heading to, it's it's a big push forward for us because this is an opportunity that we haven't had in the past years, right? And this is where I kind of go back to where we came from. Is we're now at that stage where it's it's like. You gotta go over that one last big hurdle. Yeah, no. Did you, you ever heard that song? Of we started they... from the bottom. Now we're here. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! 
yeah. But Rainer, Rainer saw me singing it right now, so he's yeah. making fun. Disrupt. <laughs> there will yeah. be no Drake on this show, so yeah. let's, let's nip that in the bud right now. Yeah, we'll end this interview right now. Yeah. Sorry, I distracted you from me. But it's, 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 it's a really cool experience for us, for us to go there. Even yeah. whatever comes out of it, money or no money, it's, it's more exposure for our team and ourselves you know to show this world that you know there's a film called El Gigante and you know it's it's looking to get made and and what's next for it right like what's what's the next big step after the frontiers market and that next step is, is we got into another market so we got to prepare for that soon so it's 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 one of those things it's just things are happening really fast and you know, I, I foresee great things for us in the future with this future pitch that we're going for, and mm-hmm. it's it's going to keep us busy for a very long time. Yeah, and the only other thing we got going is we we're, we got a new short film coming out with Tristan Risk in it, so that should be really fun. Nice. Nice, right, nice right. little, uh, you know, gory, kind of traumatizing little short. We were it's like, a family to tell. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah. So that should be really cool. It'll air on um, Crypt TV. For, that's Eli Roth's channel, so that's pretty exciting for us. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, that should be out soon-ish. That, yeah. that, that's, that's Madre de Dios? Yeah, that's exactly Dio, yeah. it. That one. Um, cool, cool. But I'm still dying color correcting here, learning this damn program. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see how long it takes till it's done. Yeah, I think I saw a tweet of... Uh, um, I think it was Rainer making fun of you about your oh, editing God, skills. I know. I know the whole world knows my really dumb mistake of not plugging the hard drive. That's, oh God. But it's true. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, is the hard drive plugged in? No. no. Oh. oh. Okay, Gigi. Goodbye. Yeah. Um, so going back to, to choose your victim, I'm kind of curious about that. How, like, how much actual interaction from fans did you get for that? Luke, you want to say? Uh, it's it started off pretty strong. We uh, I think after episode one aired, we were pretty we were overwhelmed with how many submissions we were getting. Um, so yeah, it was pretty big, and it, it was an exciting time for us to to you know we had never had fans before. So uh, it kind of uh, the, the problem with choose your victim was we shot it kind of in real time over the course of four months. Uh, so, so at certain times over the summer, the viewership would drop. We would notice there was like the Olympics going on, and uh, fuck the Olympics. And, yeah, yeah, we're like screw <laughs> the Olympics, and you know, hot, hot weather. Um, we kind of, you know, if people were outside a lot, they wouldn't be watching it as much. But there was definitely, you know, that was a big thing with us, and that kind of started our fan base for us. No, we we still talk to people who are like, oh, I remember you guys from Choose Your Victim, and we're like. A lot you know, of our someone. actors got work. After yeah. Her. yeah, yeah, it, it gave a lot of people exposure. Actually, yeah, we, we recently watched uh, Girl House, and we were like, "Hey, that girl was in Choose Your Victim." Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Alicia. That's hilarious. Yeah, Alicia wrote it. Yeah, Alicia. Yeah, she's naked. Yes. She was naked. Yes, she was. <laughs> That's why Taylor picked it. <laughs> leave, leave that out. Leave that out. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but no, you know what? As, as Luke was saying, like the views will kind of go up and down, and and like Luke and I were still in our last year of school, so it was pretty cool to kind of also do this and learn 
as each episode went. Um, like, if it wasn't for Choose Your Victim, I don't think we would shoot this fast today. Like, it's it's quite incredible how fast our team shoots and how much we can shoot in one day. <laughs> Sometimes Rainer wants to strangle Luke and me because we are like, yeah, we'll get 35 shots today. And Rainer's like, what? No. <laughs> yeah, remember in CYV episode 5, we did like 70 that day? No, we didn't do I know, I'm exactly. Like, it was like always around the 20s or 30s, right? Now, and it was horrible. But yeah, but yeah no, it, it each episode, like just the quality would, would go up in a way, it would be more efficient. And we would definitely learn so much and also in not just technical wise but but in the genre wise we would learn what horror fans really liked and it was a really good experiment choose your victim to to graduate with because god we learned almost everything as filmmakers from that you know and as rainer always says it's it's always good to just not be afraid of failure because from there you learn so much from your mistakes it was a big. Um, it was a big experiment. I would have yeah. to say, like you know, was it successful for us? It was because <laughs> we completed it and we learned a lot. But at the same time, we learned a lot about YouTube and and the viewership and how it works and how it works because you know we have to look at the attention span on in our in our day and age is it's very minimal. And you look at these web series that are coming out now, and you know they're they're no more than five minutes or less, right? And I think that's such a good time frame. And, and I think we learned from our first episode we had to cut it down right in half. And well, yeah, as we each kept episode cutting it down went, even more and more. Yeah, more. yeah, no, but like it's it, it's it's life, right? Like it's how you learn. It's nobody was there to tell us how to do this properly, right? We learned on ourselves. So, is that something you guys think you'd ever uh, like revisit? Oh, I remember I got really drunk and I was telling Luke, I'm like, we need to make a choose your victim two celebrity apprentice. Like yeah, a celebrity. celebrity. <laughs> B-grade celebrity <laughs> actors getting killed off. I think off. that'd be such a gr- big hit. Like, yeah. people would love to see certain celebrities die. And if they could, like, oh, control yeah. it, yes. We'll get Jared the Subway guy. <laughs> in there. Or is that too soon? I don't no, know. No, that's too that's soon. Too soon right? oh, okay. <laughs> but, um, but I think that would be really cool. But definitely we would have to revisit that with money. Because those yeah. months were deadly. It was hard. And Luke and I, we were the only ones editing them. So it was... It was brutal. Like we we didn't have a single day's worth of rest. Hey, Luke. We, we kind of had every second Sunday off that, that was used for promotion, so we considered that a day off. Other than that, it was like go go go, and we were all working jobs at the time too. So it was like our life was choose your victim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess on a smaller scale, we can kind of relate to a little bit. I mean, you know, we both work full time jobs, but. Uh, you know, we we do we do the show, we do the interviews, we try to go to cons and all that kind of stuff. It takes up so much time. We're losing you there. Oh, it's getting really um, noisy. Quiet. Hello, Luke. Hello. Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, okay. we're still here. Oh, I can hear okay, you now. Okay. I think there was like some like radio frequency going through there. Weird. Yeah, Rainer, you're crazy. Keep going. <laughs> uh, uh. Yeah, I was just saying that, like, you know, the, the just this podcast kind of takes up a lot of our time, and so we can kind of relate to a certain respect. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And and as as well, you know, doing podcasts, it's, it's like doing a horror film, so you've got to be really passionate about it, and it takes a lot of dedication to it. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. like, the return on investment isn't quite there, but, you know, 
we do it anyway. So, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. but like that's that's the good thing about what you guys do, though, right? Is that you're attempting like what we're doing is trying to you know reach out to people in a film aspect. You're trying to reach out to people in a, in a podcast aspect and. Right, yeah, and get, and get these guys to talk, right, and, and that's always cool because I think this is what like our fourth one we've ever done. Oh, oh really? Podcast? Uh, no, we've done a, a couple more. I don't know. Uh, we haven't done I too many, think, but it's keep, always exciting when we count. do, right? So it's it's um, <laughs> they're fun. They're I always really fun. Like them. <laughs> we're kind of kind of getting more accustomed to them now, so. I think we're we're kind of always surprised when people want to talk to us because <laughs> we're just like you know who the fuck are we. But we've talked to, you know, Tristan Risk and Jessica Cameron and a handful of really cool people. And I don't know. It's it's a little surreal sometimes. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we just decided to sit around a computer one day and talk. And now now we're interviewing, you know, c- celebrities. So. <laughs> no, it's cool. It's great. I, I, I really I really enjoy being on this. And I hope we can come back. And Absolutely. If you guys ever have any questions about, you know, what we're up to next and... Yeah, for sure. Feel free to shout out. So I think maybe something that kind of maybe springboarded you, at least it seemed that way, was when you guys did the uh, Blood Drive PSA for the Saskas. Yeah, I think that was a good uh, kickoff for us. Um, how'd you I, How'd you hook up with them? Oh, that was a really cool. That was really cool. They were they were judges at a local film festival here in Vancouver. Um at the Rio Theater, which is a local fun theater. They always show, like, a lot of, like, grindhouse. Like, they have a lot of burlesque stuff. parties. Burlesque yeah. parties, yeah. So they were they have a annual horror <laughs> film fest there. And we had Gigante playing. And the, long story short, the, the twins went crazy over Gigante out of all the shorts. And they saw that we, the, us three, were there uh, with our actor, Matias. And uh, from there, we just all became such good friends, like, so quickly. <laughs> I remember Jen, I was talking to Jen on the phone the other day, and she was like, have we really only known each other for six months? It feels like we've been best friends for years. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, well, for me, this is still crazy talking to you right now. <laughs> She's like, oh, shut up. You know? <laughs> but yeah, we, we all became such close friends with, with the twins, and then they immediately said, hey, with you know, would Lucha Gore like to be part of our of our blood drive? So all of us were like, hell yeah, like that would be awesome. So so that was really cool. A lot of people from that blood drive um, recognized their work. Um, I think it m- might have all started with maybe Evil Dead. It kicked off more. What? Just our work. Evil Dead in 60 seconds? Yeah, because that went viral. Yeah. Maybe no, from there. I, we're getting more people talking to us that have seen it now than when it first came out. It was just yeah, a lot of Yeah, when it first views. came out, no one knew it was us. When people talk really to us, now they're like... You guys made Evil Dead? Oh, you made Evil Dead? Oh my god, I saw that like two years ago. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but they have no idea it was us. So it's I have to admit, I just watched it like right before we uh, oh, started sure. this for, for the first time. and so, But I was... Oh, awesome. It, it was really cool. <laughs> Thank you. So what's next? What Where does Luchagor go from here? Well, um, uh, I guess I guess it's the the feature, right? That that's our main goal. Hey, Luke. Um, yeah, yeah, that's kind of you know, that's our dream. That's our big dream. Yeah, like we love Gigante. It's like it's that family that you just cheer every time they do their horrible things that they're up <laughs> to, you know. 
um, <clears throat> and also finish this new short and and just keep creating. You know, if we if we don't do this feature soon, we we'll just keep creating whatever we can. We have. Um, we- no, no, I'm done. No, no, keep going. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Go. No, I was going to say because you haven't mentioned it yet. We have no, a we have a few other projects that we might possibly be doing. I'm hoping every it doesn't get tied in with feature stuff, but you know we can't say it just yet because it hasn't been confirmed. But there's a few, couple of little gigs that might be coming up for us that uh, you know keep us busy, and I think it's. We'll, we'll start to see some money coming through at least. Hopefully, that'll be the biggest thing. That'll for be us. a trip. <laughs> that always helps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Saying is that you know the crew we have been working with has been so amazing, and like I said from the start, is you know we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them, and you know they do it on their free time. All these guys, and mm-hmm. they deserve you know that that reward and and to be paid, and you know these couple gigs that I'm hoping we get can really you know be that thank you and say hey we're actually paying and paying you guys to work with us <laughs> yeah that's that's also the big goal too but the feature film is the biggest goal out of all is to make our first feature next year yeah 2016 so I mean like obviously guys have like a passion for horror I mean you talked about it before any any inkling to venture outside of horror at all are you just- uh- I'm I'm pretty happy with yeah, you know <laughs> pretty happy with horror. It's it's definitely you know it's it's a huge passion for all of us. Mm-hmm. And I'd like personally, I'd like to keep exploring horror. Maybe uh, trying out the different genres of horror, doing some uh, something a little more supernatural, uh, slow burner, building tension. But uh, yeah, you never know. I mean, I don't see us doing any uh, romantic comedies in the near future. <laughs> sure. But are you not going to make love actually too? <laughs> no, I don't think so. War bodies, war bodies. Maybe. Oh God. No. Well, for me, like. I'm I'm a huge huge fan of like violent dramas like those are my one of my most favorite like one day I'd like to try that but right now horror is just so our thing and as a team you know you got to really keep mastering at what you love so much right before you venture out to new things that's my opinion anyways yeah maybe one day uh, yeah, I'll try it. It'll still be gory as fuck. <laughs> that, like, you know, it has to, right? Like that's what we love the most. Um, but yeah, you Rainer? Yeah, well, no, I, I don't think. Well, I, Rainer, not... Rainer really wants to make a certain movie. You should tell him. Oh, okay. Your well, dream no. film. <laughs> I'm, I'm a big, you know, like yeah, I love horror, and I'll always continue to make it, no matter what, whatever happens. But. Uh, you know, for me as well, like, you know, violent movies are one of my favorite things. And then I'm a big fan of action films. And just after seeing Mad Max, dear God, I was, you know, totally blown away. But, you know, not not making a post-apocalyptic movie, but on the terms of... Have you guys ever seen Days of Thunder and Rush and Top Gun and stuff like that? Pretty much all the Tony Scott action films back in the 80s. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a big I'm a big fan of, I'm a big motorcycle enthusiast so I'm a I follow the Isle of Man TT race in uh, England so it's it's one of the deadliest races in the world and it's it's a story that hasn't really been exposed and I would love to touch that that aspect of a, a film one day but that requires a lot of money so <laughs> where we're starting at right now it's it's perfect but you know one day I would love to venture out and, and bring that story to life and and show the world what that race is all about because it's it's such an amazing experience and 
yeah, it's it's crazy. You guys should check it out if you ever have time. If you're if you're big into races and you guys like NASCAR, right? Not particularly. No. <laughs> oh, you're like the only guy. We're from the Northwest. We don't do that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's Southern. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, uh, both states. I guess so. I guess. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, you know, horror right now is, it's been a little overtaken by the majority, I think, but I think it's slowly working its way back to its indie roots. And I think when that happens, it's going to be you know people like you guys that are really going to kind of drive it home and, and you keep it alive the way it, the way it should be. So yeah, I, it's funny Thank that you, you say that though because at the same time, like even though horror horror like how we've seen it now and how everybody says, oh, it's not the same, it's not scary, it's you know it's not good, and you know that's those are people's opinions, right? Mm-hmm. And whatever is getting released in, in a, a wide release. You look at, like, It Follows that just came out, you know, being an indie feature film and getting a wide release across the world. It, it's it's, it's, it's kind of like breath... How do you say it? It's breath, refreshing. It's refreshing to see that they're starting to take notice of that. But, you know, in real aspect, horror is actually one of the biggest money makers on, like, video on demand and stuff like that and digital sales. It's still actually quite big. It's bigger than um, the dramatic and romantic movies. Oh, I, I just saw, I saw a survey on that, and I was like, "Oh, well, that's good to know because you know if your film doesn't make it on the big screen, it's going to do probably pretty good on VOD and stuff mm-hmm. like that." So, you know, in that aspect, everybody wants to see their film be on a release, but you know, if that's not the case, and you know, so be it. We just want to make a feature. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the you know, best of luck with that. We're Thank you. Really hoping to see uh, the feature length El Gigante so thank you so much we'll we'll, we'll definitely do our, our best it's awesome <laughs> I want to tell you the end but I uh, love the end of Gigi, the script Gigi always likes to say that one little thing well if, if you read the book you'll know exactly what I'm talking about now, what, what's the title of that again uh, the book is not called El Gigante it's called Muerte con Carne which is right. death with meat right. but if you google Shane McKenzie like that's like his number one book um all his books are insane. There's some that I've actually had to put down because how gross and disturbing they were. I was like, oh my god, I will finish this later because I don't feel so good anymore. I came across one of his called Toilet Baby. Just, yeah. the, just the cover of that was like, okay, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, yeah. I haven't the one, that one that I had to put, I have it's right here in front of me. It's right there. So oh. You can borrow it. But um, I, the one Luke finished it. I still can't. Yeah, it's Pus Junkies. Oh Pus Junkies. Yeah, <laughs> that one's pretty wild. I, th- I think his worst though is uh, Fat Off Sex and Violence. Yeah, yeah. That oh, one, I haven't I read agree. that one. Yeah, that one's pretty. <laughs> it's out there. It goes... All right. <laughs> Check his workout. Like our, it's been great having him. You know, as part of the Luchagor team, because we're like, hey Shane, we gotta make a short about. I don't know, just a chick with like a bull head and like maybe the bad guy, like, you know, I don't know, he treats his victims like, I don't know, like something. He's like, oh, I know. 20 minutes later, he's got a script. Like, with (laughs) the craziest idea? You're like, okay. (laughs) So fast. He's amazing. Mm -hmm. He's so talented. And it's also scary how he sleeps at night with all the thoughts that he writes. (laughs) He's, yeah. (laughs) He's kind of like that missing piece to what we've been doing, and he's he's added so much more to us. Mm-hmm. And 
I think it's it's great that he's he's working with us because we wouldn't be making Higante if we haven't met him actually. So that's one of the biggest things too is that we we heard about Shane through a guy named John Skip. We met in LA a couple of years back at the Etheria uh, Film Festival. Basically, he said that this book he had in his hands. Well, he didn't have it in his hands. He said, "You guys need to read this guy's book. We need to get in contact with him." So Gigi got into contact with him, and you know he sent his book, and we sent we sent our work to him, and read the book. He saw our stuff, and he was just like, just "Holy shit!" Yeah, it just kicked off, and now now this is where we are today with Shane. So <laughs> worked on Madre de Dios, Slam, Testament, the blood. pretty much everything, everything, so yeah, much. yeah, a, lo- a lot of stuff, yeah. Easily like six, six things. By now. I don't know a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, that's awesome. Uh, I'm glad to hear that you guys have such a, a full plate. And you know, like I said before, that's a good problem to have. So, thank you. Um, so I, I guess that's kind of all we have for you, question wise. Um, so maybe we'll just kind of wrap things up a little bit. Maybe want to guys want to plug your plug your websites and uh, twitters and all that. <laughs> Where people can check you out. Sure. Uh, okay. Okay. I'll do. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep that look. Like, go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, Lucha Gore Productions. You know, as we said, Luke is the pun master, so Lucha Gore instead of Luchador. <laughs> uh, it, the website is luchagoreproductions.com. Twitter at luchagore film. Uh, we don't have Instagram yet, which we're thinking of getting it. But for now, we got the Facebook fan page with the same name, website, and Twitter. So. Cool. And then, yeah, and then all of our individual Twitters, which those are easy to find. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's been eating Taylor alive. Is the is in Lucha Gore? Is the G capitalized? Yes. It, yeah. It kind of. There used you go, Taylor. Be, it used to be. Uh, yeah, but some websites people, won't let us capitalize. Yeah, nobody. It. Nobody. Yeah, sometimes you can't capitalize. It. I, I don't know. Really? It, in Facebook, it it kept it keeps denying it to be capitalized. Pricks. So we've just had to. It's improper it's, grammar. It's, yeah, yeah. I kept saying. Yeah, because Facebook's all about proper grammar. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was pretty chalk. So now it's ah, let's just keep them all capitalized here and there. So. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> all right. Okay, well, uh, thanks again for coming on, guys. It was a lot of fun talking to you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, and uh, you know, you guys are more than welcome to come back. We encourage you to come back and tell us about what's going on. Yeah, sounds good. We'll, we'll keep you guys posted. Killer. Next week should go crazy. You have pictures we'll of the project. Well, you'll, you'll see that. We'll be posting when it's going to be released pretty soon. But, yeah, stay tuned for that one. So. Oh, for Madre with yeah. Tristan? Yeah, yeah, that should be cool. Awesome. If you guys ever need any guest stars for anything, we're just, you know, right over the border. So Yeah. We, right. we yeah. don't have passports, but, you know. Yeah, you'll have to come to us. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> you, guys, you guys live so close and you don't have passports. <laughs> I, I keep telling my wife, it's like, what do I need a passport for? Like, so you can go visit? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's beautiful down here right now. And the dollar's cheap while well, our dollar's dropping. So it's this perfect time for you guys to come down and spend all your money down here. Hey. <laughs> I mean, everyone's up there now. You got the them, the Saskas, Cameron, Tristan. They're all up in Canada. So maybe we need to get passports. Maybe we do. You guys should. Yeah, definitely. If you guys ever do, you have to give us a show and let us know when you come down because it's uh, there's lots of lots of fun stuff to to do out here. So. Sounds like a plan. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank All right, guys. You. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
I got that gray pride. I got that gray pride. I got that gray pride. It's right off the highway. Wobble dee wobble dee drop into my grave plot. You afraid of death? Well, I'm afraid not. Cause I got the bomb spot right off the highway. I did it my way. A very small percent. Oh, that was a great interview. Yeah, they're good kids. Good kids. <laughs> good kids. Um, yeah, check them out at luchagoreproductions.com and uh, Twitter and all that good stuff. Keep an and eye YouTube. On they didn't mention their YouTube, but they do have a YouTube channel and they got a bunch of cool videos, including all of the Choose Your Victim videos on there. Right. I think a lot of their stuff is <clears throat> actually on their website. Um, if you go to, like, Portfolio, I think it's titled. Oh. But... Uh, Either way, yeah, check out their stuff. It's it's really good. And um, I don't know, we remember we reviewed El Gigante, mm-hmm. and um, we enjoyed it. Max enjoyed it. Yeah. Enjoyed it. He enjoyed, enjoyed it. it. He enjoyed it. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, I guess there's nothing left to do except our reviews. Well, I mean, and then there's plot holes after that. But Oh, right. But for now, like, for, for at this moment... We could do. Right. Let's just let's just do reviews. All right, what do you start with? Uh, let's start with back mask. Okay. I mean the asylum. I mean Exeter. The Exeter School for the Feeble-Minded. The facility's original purpose was to rehabilitate mentally challenged children. Exeter was not a place where young people found help, but a place where they were discarded and destroyed. It's empty. Yes, let's party. No way. Why not? No cops, no neighbors. It's perfect. No. Get this party started, right? Don't follow that guy in the woods. That's how rapes happen. You don't want to miss the after party. It'd be crazy. Be in that house. There's this emo girl on YouTube. I swear she can make herself weightless. If you believe something enough, it affects you physically. Let's do it. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. One, two, three. Found a do-it-yourself site. I've heard stories about these things, and none of them have ever ended with. I'm really glad we tried. The power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you. Guys, he's all right. Alright, now the movie so good they named it three times. Yeah. <laughs> um No, this movie was originally called Back Mask. <clears throat> then I think they changed the name uh to Exeter, but it was released in the UK as the Asylum. Yes. Uh so, depending on where you live, you can look for it for that title. Or Yeah, relative to where you live. Our friends across the pond may know it as the asylum. Right. 
Um, this was directed by Marcus Nispel, who might be a familiar name. Uh, he directed a couple movies under Platinum Dunes. Platinum Doo Doo. Yeah. Platinum Shit Mountain. It's not as clever. <laughs> uh, but he, yeah, he directed um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Friday the 13th. Correct. Both are the superior um, Platinum Dunes remakes. Correct. Yeah, so clearly he was doing something right. Correct. Should have got him instead of fucking Samuel Bayard shit bird motherfucking asshole fucking nightmare on Elm Street dick bag. <laughs> yep. Um, I gotta get die on a fire. Uh, anyway, so, um, yeah, this was the, f- well, I guess not the first, but one of the few movies that he did, uh, that wasn't a remake or adaptation. It was completely, it was completely the original story. Um, and, uh, and from what I understand, this is based on a short story that he did. I could have been. I know at the end it says based on a story by Marcus Nispel. Okay. Well, I was under the impression it was like a short story. That could be. I mean. And then it was turned some, into a screenplay by, um, looks like Kirsten Elms. Sometimes when that's, when they, when they say that usually means he wrote like the concept. Right. Or the treatment or something. Um, but either way, um, so the movie starts out um, with kind of uh, with some titties. Yeah. Well, no, is that right off the bat? Okay. That's not like thanks killing, but right. Um. No. Yeah. Okay, okay. I guess it does. It opens up with a woman. You don't know who she is. Uh, shoots up some narcotics. Some hair on hair on. Um. And for some reason, she's, like, naked except for underwear. And uh, she goes into a room that is, like, just out of view, like, in the in the, in the the background. Uh, gets down on her knees. And I, did you think that she was going to start sucking some dick? Yeah, I did. Okay. Because <laughs> it definitely looked that way. Yeah. And it was, like I said, it was in the background, so you... You're looking through a doorway. Yeah. And so you can't quite tell what she's doing, but it definitely looks like she put something in her mouth. Yeah, you see her get down on her knees in front of a bed. Yeah. And then you just see something kind of stick out from the doorway and go in her mouth. And my first thought was, is that a a cock? Yeah. Um, And then uh, she blows her brains out with the gun she put in her mouth. (laughs) Yeah, it was was a shotgun. It wasn't a cock. Right. Um then uh, from there it uh, leads into a series of well it seemed like maybe a clip from a documentary about the Exeter School of Feeble Minded <laughs> Feeble Minded that's not PC <laughs> well, it's better than retarded <laughs> well sure <laughs> Exeter School for Kids Who Ain't So Smart <laughs> or the Derek Zoolander School for Kids Who Don't Read Good <laughs> um 
and it uh, it basically explains that the school was you know originally set up to be kind of a, a place to cure people of their feeble mindedness. Uh, feeble mindedness. <laughs> but just their their very various um mental conditions. Um schizophrenia, um um manic depressive, uh you know, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Place where they go to get cured, but you quickly find out that this was just a facade and it there was just countless accounts of um, abuse and mistreatment and uh, unjust deaths to these patients at this place. <clears throat> so many so that they started, they actually had a cemetery there on the grounds of the building. Um, it was ultimately closed down because of these ac- accusations. Uh, and it remained abandoned to this day. Um, jump forward in time to uh, you've got a, t- a crew of of men uh, renovating the Exeter Hospital, um, led up by Father Conway. Uh, he or you you, you would re- recognize uh, Stephen Lang. Uh, if you watch um, Salem, he plays Increase Mather on Salem. Uh, so he, he's leading this crew of um, fixer guys. <laughs> That's their official title. That's yeah. what it has on their on their business cards. Um, and among them is uh, a young man named Patrick. Uh, never really specifies exactly how old he is but you think maybe late teens early 20s maybe never really got an impression if he was still like in high school or something I got the impression he was at least old enough to drink could be um anyway so he's part of this crew renovating the place and he seems like he's kind of uh got a relationship with father Conway um not the the sexy kind, <laughs> not the priest and choir boy kind, um, but uh, he, like seems like Father Conway's kind of taken him under his wing a little bit and mentored him and helped him maybe find a you know they, they talk about college and you know uh, Patrick's you know college search and things of that nature so kind of get the impression he's kind of like a fatherly figure to him. Um, later on, Patrick meets up with his friend Knowles. Right? That's his name? Yeah, well, his name is Brian, but Knowles is his last name. That's right. what we call him, yeah. Um, and Patrick starts telling him about how he's renovating this building, how it's like, you know, run down, completely abandoned. That guy, the guy Knowles, um, played by Nick, Nick, Nick Nicotera, reminds me of Clark Duke. Clark Duke from Sex Drive. Oh yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. Had the same. I mean, he's kind of, kind of like the the funny fat friend, but yeah, the same personality basically. Yeah, um, just really sarcastic. Yeah. Um. So 
yeah, Knowles decides that the best thing to do with the old Exeter building is have just a giant fucking party at it. Sure. And, you know, in Patrick in vain tries to stop him, but by the time they get to the hospital, uh, it, there's just tons of people there. Right. Have you ever been to a party that big? No. Like, I don't, I feel like things don't happen like that. We're just not cool enough to get invited to those kind of parties. Maybe. <laughs> I always wondered. It's like, are these things going on in a world I can't see? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so they're just a fucking insane party. There's probably a couple hundred people there at least. At least it seemed that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, people like outside partying and then people back inside partying. Right. Um, and uh, there's, you know, there's a band playing just fucking really kick-ass party it seemed like yeah um and uh at the party Patrick meets up with um a girl named Rain um and starts hitting on her and yeah so they party and you know hang out and he's you know he gets a little closer to Rain seemed like he got close to her like really quickly Uh, he's got he's got the moves (laughs) yeah uh, and so the next morning, the kind of the leftovers are your basic cast of characters. Uh, I mean, you got Patrick, who's like kind of like you know the, the main guy, and you got Rain, who's the the main guy's girl. Um, you've got the douchey couple. You know, you've got the the, the Chad and his bubble headed blonde girlfriend, Brad and Amber, right. Um, Some of the actors in this have the the best last names. Like the girl who played Amber is named Gage Golightly. I, I, I know that name, and I don't know why. And then there's another chick in it named Jenny Shakeshaft. <laughs> Gage Golightly is on Teen Wolf. Mm. That's the only thing I see that you would probably know her from. Mm. And the remake of Cabin Fever. Hey. Um... <clears throat> Anyway, so yeah, like I said, uh, you got, um, God damn it, Brad and Amber. Then you got Knowles still there, and you've got Patrick's little brother who kind of snuck into the party. Yeah. You know, Patrick tried, tried to tell him to leave, but um, still there in the morning. So obviously, he didn't try too hard. Uh, his little brother, Rory, right? Yes. Um, and they're talking. About the, how the ho- hospital is haunted by all the tortured souls that died there. Really kind of generic haunted building yeah. stuff. I mean, and um, they, for some reason, Rain seems to know a lot about like magic and like summoning and stuff like that. Um, she seems like she's very worldly or earthy, I guess, and kind of a hippie almost. Um, and they say what they have to do is, or they get the bright idea they're going to hold a seance. Yeah, thank you. And they do uh, basically just dumb kid stuff, you know, stuff that every teenager has done at one point. They they do uh, light its feather stiff as a board. Yeah. Um, which I don't. Did you ever do that? No. No. I think I tried it like once. It didn't fucking work. Surprise! Surprise! Yeah. 
go figure. Um, but the thing is that it does work for them. Right. Uh, they lift Rory. Seemed like he's passed out. He looked. I mean, he looked almost dead while they're doing it, and then they uh, <clears throat> they start lifting him, and then he and then he drops and like. For some reason, they lined him in what looked like Christmas lights, and they all started, like, popping and sparking and stuff. And he runs off. Yeah, he peed himself. Yeah, he he pissed his pants, so naturally all the big kids start picking on him. Uh, And he runs off, and Patrick goes to chase him, and and he finds him, and it becomes quickly apparent that Rory has been possessed. His face is, like, stark white with, like, black patches all over it. His, you know, his lips are blue and his eyes are hollowed. and um, just, He looks very ill. <laughs> and he carves a crescent into his forehead. Yeah. Um, and so it, it seemed to me like it was a little too easy to convince everyone that it, he was possessed. Yeah, I mean, it took a little while. A lot of people were saying, oh, he's, he's just high. Because apparently they had every fucking drug under the sun at this party. Yeah. Because the guy's even saying, you know, he's like, oh, we got E and Quaaludes and fucking Percocet. <laughs> oh, yeah, and there's one other guy, uh, the stoner. Because you can't forget the stoner in your Scooby squad. <laughs> um, who was Drew, I believe. That sounds right. <clears throat> and... um yeah, he, like, so they're trying to figure out what's wrong with Rory, and they discover that he's possessed, so they attempt an exorcism, uh, and it doesn't work. So, well, the, the, the exorcism they perform is one that they found online. Right. On a DIY exorcism site. Yeah. Yeah, Patrick. Which was interesting because, like, this hospital is in the middle of fucking nowhere, but apparently has Wi-Fi or at least great cell service. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't. I've never been in the woods anywhere and had a good signal. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, it, it seems like it's working for a while, and then they find out that it didn't, um, and so they. They're tr- they're trying to figure out like where like what this is that's possessing Rory, um, and they start to kind of get to the bottom of it and find out that the the church and Father Conway have, may have had some kind of involvement in whatever entity or spirit or whatever dark arts yeah you know, seem to be haunting this building, um, and so it's just kind of goes from there. I mean, it's... I don't think there's anything else specifically story-wise of note to mention. Not... I mean, the only things that would be would be spoilers. Right. Um, So, I mean, that's that's kind of the the, the movie in a nutshell. Um, Yeah, like like you said, I don't want to give anything else away because it would be a spoiler, but... um, So, what would you think? Well, I think this movie's biggest problem, not only problem, mind you, uh, was that it blew its wad too early. Uh, how do you mean? 
Well, the whole Rory possession thing happens like within the first half hour of the movie. Yeah. And then they even like exercise him before the movie's half over. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of seemed like they didn't really know where to go from there. And then it just seemed like a bunch of random shit happened until the end. Yeah. Like they had 45 minutes worth of movie and an end. And they didn't know what to do in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it uh, definitely seemed like they were trying to... Th- yeah, like thin out just a shoestring story yeah uh to to make it take you know god it's only an hour and a half it seems so much longer than that um because not a lot happened and i mean things that did happen had already happened yeah exactly they rehashed yeah um i mean there were some there were some like Good death scenes. It's the, like the, the the small amount of gore that there was was pretty good. Yeah, I mean there was a fair amount of gore, but a lot of it happened off screen. Yeah, and, and you just kind of saw like a splash against the wall or something like that. Yeah, and just a sign of the times. A lot of it was CGI. Yeah, which is you know always a disappointment. Um, the the story itself seemed really tired to me. That's like, I mean, like I said, I think I think it's based on a short story by Marcus Nispel, and it feels like they took his short story. That was the first half of the movie, and they didn't know what to get, what to do from there. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. It just it seemed like this was the ty- type of movie that I've seen a million times before. Yeah, uh, I mean. Like I said, you you got the usual cast of characters. It's very teen horror-esque. Yeah. Um, And there were really no surprises. No, I I saw the ending coming a mile away. Yeah, exactly. It's it's almost like they... There there was supposed to be a twist ending. Something that you're not supposed to see coming. But a good 20 minutes before that... If, If you're not supposed to see that coming, then... I don't know what they're thinking because that ending was fucking telegraphed. Yeah. They do add a little twist to kind of make you doubt it, but then they come around and it's still exactly what you thought. Yeah. Um, and so just the whole thing was really tired. Um, and, you know, I think the biggest thing, some, something I think in, in every film you need to capture, uh, I mean, the writer as somebody creating the story and the director as somebody telling the story something they need to portray is an attachment to just at least one character that's the other thing is all these people are the worst fucking people on the planet and I don't give a shit about any of these people yeah well I mean it's like Patrick he's not a bad person you just don't care about him yeah he's uninteresting it's like, yeah, he's not a bad person, but he's not really a particularly good person. He hangs out with these fucking low lives. Yeah. And I mean, he doesn't do anything to better himself. He's just there. He's fucking vanilla. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the most interesting character was uh, Knowles, but that's just because he's the funny fat guy. Right. Um, Another thing that bothered me about this was, the like, all the doors get locked. Mm-hmm. 
and they they try to bash open one of the gates, the, the front gate, and they like throw a bowling ball at it. And I think they, there was something else they threw at it. But at no point do they throw the bowling ball through the giant fucking windows that are cover the entire wall and are not covered in any way. Yeah. I, I, th- I thought about that, but then I thought... Now, I, I maybe I was thinking a little more deeply than the production crew was, but I thought maybe, like, because it was... Um, like uh, framed glass, you know, it was like a, like a grid. Yeah, I thought maybe those that grid within the glass was reinforced. That's possible, and the windows were too small for anyone to fit out of. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. But, but like I said, that may be thinking way deep, more deep. Well, and that. if you're in a building with this fucking demon or whatever, are you not going to at least try? Yeah, <laughs> something that I thought. Not, I mean, obviously. Something was possessing this building and made the doors close and would not op- would not let them open. Mm-hmm. We as the audience know that. They as the characters within the film do not. So when they threw, like, um, Amber tries to bash the, uh, the gate open with a frying pan. Oh, that's what it was, right. Then Knowles throws a bowling ball at it. Uh, there are six people there, right? Uh, one, two, three, four, yeah. Why Seven. didn't why didn't they all charge that gate at the same time? <laughs> I don't know. Under normal circumstances that thing would have popped right open, especially because of how much it flexed when yeah. just the bowling ball was thrown at it. So, I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. I guess we as audience members we just fucking know everything. <laughs> um So there's, there's definitely a, a feel of like this is Nispel's nod to the Exorcist. Definitely, there there was a lot of Exorcist type things in this movie. Yeah, um, like and I mean the like the DIY Exorcist website. It, that's it's the Exorcist. It is the Exorcist. Yeah, there's like little images and they're all cartoons, but it's they're clearly based on the Exorcist. There's the you know the power of Christ compels you. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of not so subtle nods to The Exorcist, right? Talking about uh, like, I think it actually says green vomit, <laughs> or like Does it's, it? it's some, something about vomit, and I think it may it's a like green thick vomit or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, like, I don't want to say this movie was bad because it wasn't like awful yeah, it was pretty bad well in my opinion anyways I'm not gonna try I'm not trying to talk you out of your opinion but well it's it has moments interspersed but overall there's not a lot going on here no I'm just trying to think of somebody that isn't like a diehard horror fan, somebody that hasn't seen just a ton of possession and ghost movies already. I feel like somebody like that might enjoy this a little more, just because it's not so well-worn territory for them. I don't know about that. I Maybe, but I don't know. Uh, I can't say definitively. But yeah, I mean, for me, like, you know, I am a diehard horror fan. I've, I have seen... 
enough possession and exorcism in ghost movies more than I could even attempt to count. Um, so this was just real by the numbers. Well, it's not just that for me. Like I think a reason why I why I don't personally think that someone who isn't as diehard as us would enjoy it is because the story about halfway through just turns into this drudged out bullshit and it's it's just crap to just kind of move the story along. Yeah. Yeah, I I I don't know. It it's hard to say for me. Like to me the second half of this movie would be like watching two football teams punt over and over again. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this. I mean, I, I guess we're getting kind of quick, quickly into ratings territory here, but I, I don't know that this is something I would recommend to anyone. I I would not recommend it. I I I can't say that I would steer someone away from it. Yeah. Unless they had something else in mind. Yeah, I think this might be one of those movies where it's like. Oh yeah, Exeter. Well, I didn't really like it, but you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I that's yeah. Um. So, uh, I mean, I guess. Do you have anything else to say about this? Uh, like I said, it has its moments. The the lawnmower scene was was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was pretty good. Um, and the part where the guy got half his face cut off. Uh huh. That was pretty good. Although it was pretty CGI heavy and highly unlikely <laughs> well yes the way that it was done but and I thought that the look of the like when Rory was possessed was good although another problem I had with um, with it was that Rory like we said he cut a crescent in his forehead but it's scarred over almost immediately right it's scarred over in like five minutes well I mean you never actually see him carve it into his forehead yes you do you do? Yeah, with the straight razor. He's got the, they, they, when they walk in on him in the bathroom, he's got the straight razor and he's got, carving it into his head. Shit, I don't remember that. Um, this, I mean, I, admittedly, this is one of those movies where I started like fucking around on my phone. Yeah. Uh, and it's like I had to constantly remind myself that I needed to watch. This. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, uh, is that it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what, what do you what do you think? Uh, I'm thinking three. Okay. Um, I'll probably say four. All right. All right. So next up, uh, we've got a 2004 movie called The Stranger. I'm looking for Anna Pauly. She doesn't live here anymore. Do you know where I can find her? Jesus, he's not breathing. He came to the house asking about Anna. And you brought him here? Don't touch my blood. Or I'll kill you both. Who are you? 
danger to anyone? How do you know that? The only danger here is you. You told me you didn't know who he was. I don't! Why didn't you save him? He was infected. I don't know where you came from, but your life is gonna end. If you touch me, Mom! I'll have to kill you. Go! So now you know what we are. Our humanity's death sentence. Did you say 2004? Did I? I thought I said 2014. You may have. I don't know. Uh, anyways, The Stranger is written and directed by Guillermo Amoedo, whose name you may, may recognize from Aftershock, and uh, he's also a co-writer on the upcoming Green Inferno. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is his English language debut, I believe. No, that can't be right. Ignore that. Um, but this movie is produced by Eli Roth, which gave it a lot of clout. But the story is about a titular stranger whose name is Martin, but I don't remember them ever saying that in the movie. I don't recall. I mean, it's possible. I just it didn't stick out, I guess. Yeah. Uh... But he goes looking for his wife, Anna, or Anna. They call her both in the movie, <laughs> which was weird. But I guess it could just be people's accents. But he he finds out that she is dead. And I'm sorry if I just spoiled the first five minutes of the movie for you. <laughs> but now living in her house is a young man named Peter and his mother. And Peter is a tagger. He's an artist, street street artist. Right. Hoodlum, graffiti Thug. artist, uh, vandal, <laughs> criminal, ne'er do well. And uh, so, Martin, when he finds out his wife is dead, he just kind of gives up and he goes and he's sitting on a bench and he gets approached by a group of, of toughs, of, of thugs, local hoodlums. <laughs> Uh, and uh, they they threaten to kill him, and he basically says, "Go for it." Yeah. And so they start beating the crap out of him. And Peter comes along, says, "You know, maybe, maybe you don't." <laughs> and, don't do that. <laughs> um, what's his name? Caleb, who is the leader of the. Uh, I got I got no more words. I got no more synonyms. <laughs> Um, of of the the bad guys, he just looks Peter in the face and then stabs Martin. And I was just like, seriously? Yeah, he did it real slow too. Yeah, like he was like like rubbing it in um, uh, Peter's face. Yeah, just like yeah, you like that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, just pull it out a little bit and put it back in a little bit. You like that? Yeah, what if I twist it a little bit? Oh yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Whew, is it warm in here? Um, yes. <laughs> and so Peter calls the police. Police come along. Turns out the police are crooked. Hey. Womp womp. Not only that, the cop is Caleb's dad. Also, did Caleb's dad's voice not seem to match him at all? No. He was like... Um, it felt like it was someone else doing the voice. Me. Oh yeah, there was a lot of dubbing in this movie. It seemed like, uh, I mean, 
like I'm looking at it right here. It was it was took place in Canada, apparently, um, but it was filmed in Chile. That makes sense because Amoedo is Chilean. Yeah, um, but uh, a lot of non like non native English speakers in this movie. Right. So I I don't I don't know. Hmm. It was weird. Interesting. Well, anyways, uh, the cop and Caleb go and they hide Martin's body, and then Peter goes to check on him and finds out that he's actually still alive. So he takes him back to his house, and as his mother, who is a nurse, is trying to aid him, he tells her, "Don't touch my blood. It's highly contagious." Yeah. She says, just let me die, too. Like, if, she says, yeah. if you don't let me die, I'm going to kill you. Both. Right. Yeah. Um, Which is an odd request. Or demand. Yeah, it wasn't really a request. It was a flat-out demand. Um, so, yeah, so he, you know, makes it known that he has some kind of virus. And through a series of flashbacks, you find out that his wife had the same virus. Mm-hmm. Another problem I had, well, I guess a problem I had... Um, at one point, the cop refers to him as being 30 to 35, but the flashbacks all said 16 years ago. Mm-hmm. He was definitely older than 14, because <laughs> he looked like he was probably 25 to 30 then. He looked like he was roughly the same age. <laughs> well, yeah, he just had shorter hair and a shorter beard. Yeah. But still, he he looked like he was probably 35 to 40, not 30 to 35. Right. But, so, like I said, he has this virus, and you come to find out that anyone that gets infected with this virus becomes very violent, except for Martin, for some reason. Yeah. It's it's a strange thing that happens with this. Um, while his blood is very contagious... Like highly contagious. It also seems to have like kind of like healing and restorative powers to mm-hmm. it too. But the thing is, is in order for someone to touch it without being infected, the blood has to be blessed. Right. Um. Yeah, it was it was a little confusing. Like it's there's a lot of vampire-esque qualities okay, to yeah. the people in this movie, but they never use the word vampire. Yeah, and it's not vampire in the traditional sense, either. No. I mean, there's no fangs. Right. Uh, I mean, there's no 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 crosses, no stakes. Um, there is, and I don't, I don't think it's a spoiler to say this, they do seem to have uh, an extreme sensitivity to sunlight. Yes. Which was definitely like a big indicator of some kind of vampirism. Sure. Um, but yeah, like you said, they never directly and intentionally mention vampires. So, it's, it's it, hard. It's, to- it kind of reminded me of like the crazies. A little bit. Like how, you know, in there it was a virus, but when you got infected, you just became very violent. Mm-hmm. But in this, they would eat people. Yeah. But they they wouldn't really, like, bite their neck and suck their blood as much. 
But I never really understood why Martin didn't have that reaction. Unless he just fought it. I guess. But it, it was never really clearly explained. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's 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 really hard to tell. Because at one point somebody does become infected without the use of blessed blood. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they they do become extremely violent and just kill people at will. So I don't know. It was a little weird. If there, if it was supposed, to, and I have to assume it was, but if it was supposed to be vampirism in one kind or another, it was definitely a, a strange new take on it. Yeah. Um, in that it was, it was kind of the whole issue of it was kind of sidestepped, and it was looked at more like a disease rather than an affliction, I guess, to draw yeah, the, like the, draw the, the difference. The the way that they handled the virus was almost like a zombie movie. But, yeah. But the the effects of the virus were more closely associated to vampirism. Hmm. Um. Yeah, and then there's there is someone that gets infected, and then it kind of becomes this battle of good and evil, right? Between Martin and this other person. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, what'd you think? Um, I, I really don't know. <laughs> to, to be completely honest, I don't know. I I spent this whole watching this whole movie. Spent the time trying to figure out how I felt about it, and I don't. I mean, I wasn't particularly thrilled by it, but. At the same time, I wasn't just like, oh my god, this is awful. So, kind of like right in the middle. I mean, I don't, I don't know. What do you think? Um, well, the movie is rather slow. It is slow. Um, and ultimately not a lot really happens. There's not a great big resolution at any point. Yeah. Um, it's not some like big giant final conflict. Yeah. It just kind of happens. Yeah. It's it's just kind of a series of events. Um and like like you said, I found myself when I was watching it not being like, "Oh, I like that" or "No, that's fucking stupid," but being just like that's interesting. Yeah. And so it doesn't didn't really stir any emotions in me. No. For better or worse. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Well, I mean, I think in kind of like the grand scope of cinema, um, I mean, the the point of a, of a movie is supposed to to make you thrill feel. you and you know make you yeah feel something, whether it be hatred or you know. If you really liked it, or you really disliked it, and just feel something. But just to feel so neutral through an entire movie, it's just like, well, did they really succeed at you know, kind of like the basic goal of every movie? Yeah, that's a good point. 
But I mean, at the same point, you don't want people being like, "That's fucking stupid." Like, if they, if if you want someone to feel hatred, it's like towards a specific character or event, not because they hate the fucking movie. Yeah. But I mean, even if they do just hate the movie, at least they felt something. Yeah. Um. So, I I think in that respect, this movie kind of failed. At least, at least for me. I mean. I'm, I'm, I'm reading here that this has gotten some pretty good reviews, um, but I just—you should read Roger Roger Ebert's. Really, he fucking rips it to shreds. Wait, wasn't he dead? Or no, it's the Siskel's the one that well, aren't they? Siskel's they're both dead. dead now, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought that's who I saw. I don't know. Some fucking guy. Well, you should read the review on this one site that I saw. Okay. <laughs> um. So yeah, mm. I don't know. It's not. It's not a bad movie. It's not painful to watch. It's not. At, at times, it is boring, but in the grand scheme of things, overall, it's not a boring movie. But it's just. It just doesn't do anything. Yeah, it's it's extremely slow paced. It tends to drag at times. Um, you know, a lot of movies with the same issues, a complaint might be, oh, there's too much talking. But instead of there being too much talking, there's just too much nothing. Yeah. Like, there's too much time in this movie where nothing's happening. Right. Um. Sometimes I wish we would disagree more. I feel like it would liven up the podcast a little bit <laughs> if I was just like, "No, you're wrong." It's it's. I, I was actually I was thinking about that today. That it's interesting that we can be completely backwards from every other genre podcast and genre site, but still agree with each other. Yeah, like in the case of we are still here. I was listening to other podcast reviews, and they're just like, "This movie is fantastic. It's amazing. I love it more than it." vagina <laughs> and we're just like nah it's like whatever it's like nah dude just, just chill I like a vagina way more <laughs> um yeah I think maybe it's just I think doing the show has definitely probably definitely probably uh <laughs> has probably put our views and opinions more in line with each other yeah, I mean, there are times when you're wrong. <laughs> Dick. Like how you don't understand the brilliance of WrestleManiac. Right. That's my issue. Um, anyway, so... I don't really have anything else to say about this. Um... Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was. What did you think of the effects? They were okay. What What did you think about the person that was burned? What did you think about the look of the of their face? It was decent. I mean, it, I mean, it looked real enough. See, there were there were times when I was like, "Wow, that looks really badass," and then another, he would turn another way. I'd be like, oh, that looks really fake. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing about, like, applications like that. 
They tend to get so thick that if you angle it wrong, and you know, everything. I mean, like they talked about it in uh, in our interview earlier. Uh, it's all lighting. Yeah. So I mean, like it's very specific with lighting. You know, to, to bring out the best and exactly what you want people to see in a shot. So I mean, it's something like a makeup application. You know, you tend to bias it to look good in a certain angle, and you, it's not necessarily all over where you're going to look at it from every angle and it looks good. Uh, but especially like like burn makeup, where it tends to get a little thick. Mm-hmm. If you move it, it tends to stretch or or not stretch. And just distorts it a little bit. So I mean, there's a lot of factors in there too. What did you think about the effect of what happened to them when they were in the sun? Uh, I thought it looked cool. I guess I mean for CGI. Yeah, it was, it was very CGI ish. Um, I liked how subtle it was. Yeah, like how it, it was a progressive thing, but it was. I mean, it moved quickly, but the transition was so smooth that, like, you almost don't notice it until it's already happened. Yeah. And, I mean, I I mean, I guess basically what happens is when they're exposed to sun, their skin becomes very pale. They're, I mean, they're, they're, they're pale and, like, ashy, I guess, essentially. Um, and their lips and eyes turn black and they just kind of look dead essentially yeah um but it was kind of a cool transition yeah it was how it looked um yeah I think that's all I really got you got anything else you want to say mm, no I don't think so you got a number uh five Okay, just because right down the middle, because you had no Pretty strong much. feelings either way. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go four. I just... I'm the same way where I'm just down the middle, but at the same time, it's just... That bothers me to the point where I deduct the point. All right. Okay, so that's it for our reviews. Uh... So now we will lead into our new segment. Hey, you remembered. <laughs> this is a segment we call Plot Holes, where we take the plot of a famous horror movie, we remove a handful of words, and we replace them Mad Lib style. And the result is hilarity. Usually. Usually, except when tires dick slap. <laughs> so, Tony, I need a plural noun. Hold on. I'm still pulling up my words here. Okay, uh, dog boners. And an adjective. Floppy. Oh, shit, I hit the wrong button. Hang on. Damn it. Noun. Rubber fist. Adjective. Lightly battered. Past tense verb. Shat. Noun. Crotch sweat. You. (laughs) Adjective. Drippy. Verb ending in ing. Air humping. And a noun. Optimus Prime. All right, so now we will find out what Tony has done to the movie You're Next. (laughs) 
I would like to point out that Tony has not heard this before. He did not know what movie we were doing. So, a family reunion turns on to, turns into a full-on massacre when a gang of masked dog boners invade a sprawling country <laughs> mansion on a floppy mission of murder. Paul and Aubrey Davison are about to celebrate their wedding anniversary, and they've invited their grown-up children out to the country to share in the rubber fist. <laughs> 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 the first to arrive are Crispin and his lightly battered girlfriend, Erin. It isn't long before the rest of the family has shat as well, and the party gets underway. Later, at the dinner table, old sibling rivalries begin to resurface, and parental preferences quickly become apparent. Just as tensions begin to flare up, however, a crotch sweat blasts through the glass window and panic sets in. The family is under attack, but who are the savage invaders donning drippy farm animal masks? And what is their motive behind air-humping everyone in the house? <laughs> No hey, one. you! <laughs> you like that? <laughs> no one is safe as the blood starts to flow, but Erin is determined to see Optimus Prime, and she's got the survival skills to strike back at her attackers with deadly force. <laughs> she's determined to see Optimus Prime. Yeah. <laughs> There's a new Transformers movie! I have to see it! <laughs> Alright. So that's going to do it for us. Uh... Hope you enjoyed it. I did. Good. <laughs> Thank uh, you for asking. <laughs> um, we'll be back in a couple weeks. Uh, remind you to go to Halloween.graveplotpodcast.com and get yourself 25% off, uh, no minimum order, uh, at HalloweenExpress.com. Uh, Taylor? Yes. <laughs> Uh, tell them where they can find us. Uh, you can find us at graveplotpodcast.com on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram at graveplotpodcast or on Twitter at grave underscore plot. You can also subscribe to the show on uh, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn or wherever podcasts are listened to. Right. Uh, actually, you know, it's something I just remembered. I wanted to mention this at the beginning of the show. I completely forgot until now. I've forgotten like three episodes in a row now. Um, we finally made our donation to Cystic Fibrosis mm. Foundation uh, from the T-shirts that you guys bought. Um, it totaled out totaled out to be uh, seventy one fifty, if I'm not mistaken. Um, correct. And yeah, it, t- it took longer than we ho- hoped because the guys that sell our shirts, we only get our commission like what once a quarter or something. Like yeah. That. Anyway, so we finally got it. It has been donated. Uh, and I uh, just want to thank you guys from you know, the bottom of our hearts. Um, thank you so much for your, for your donations and uh, and, and uh, purchasing the shirts, helping us out with that. Uh, it means so much to uh, help such a such a worthy cause. Um, the shirts are still available in our sh- in our store. Uh, the 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 deal is ongoing any shirt any cf shirt that is bought through our store uh will be their commission will be donated to the cf foundation and that that's ongoing so buy your shirt at any time uh and um please help the cause um but you can also buy great flop podcast logo t-shirts and hoodies and buttons if you are so inclined yes and uh you know spread spread the good word yes do that as well um so yeah, thank you again. Um, 
and uh, I guess that's going to do it. So um, come back in two weeks when we'll be reviewing uh, Creep, the new Marcus Duplass horror movie, as well as Dark Was the Night. There you go. So we'll catch you again in a couple weeks. Till then, I'm Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror. This has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all just a little dead inside. Cause the words may come out wrong